And hello and welcome everyone to another installment of the Comic Multiverse where the worlds of nerd meet. So happy to be back with you yet again everyone on this Sunday that I did not know was a Sunday <laughs> because the quarantine confusion is really seeping into my brain now, <laughs> I hate to tell you. <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine it's probably not not good for a lot of people. I know here here at Australia it's a, a little bit better since we've just, we just had our, our mask mandates lifted here. Uh, lucky you, we're extending uh, quarantine and travel bans and everything else for another month here in Canada. And it's so funny. It's like, well, I did this before, like last year in March, and it didn't bother me in anything. But now that it's happening again, now I'm freaking out. Now I don't know what to do with myself. What the what the <laughs> hell's different? I don't know, man. It, it's pretty crazy that it has been like almost a year. Like it doesn't, it, it feels like it, but then also it doesn't feel like it as well. I don't believe it in the slightest, and I'm also reminded, too, that I need to get a new air conditioner for the summer, and I'm like, shit, <laughs> they might not have that if all the, like, supply lines go down and everything. Do I need to buy an air conditioner right now in February to make sure I have one? <laughs> yeah, I think you probably do. <laughs> I probably freaking do, goddamn, because I really don't want to have to deal with a scenario wherein I can't go out because I might get sick and I'm hot on top of it. <laughs> Because that's some real bullshit. I ain't doing that. Mm -mm. <laughs> Not in this life. So uh, how's your week been, all things considered, Matt? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, I, I managed to, like, I, I, like, sat down. I had, like, a lot of free time this week. So I, like, sat down and, like, watched a bunch of, like, movies and TV shows that I'd been meaning to watch. And I finished, nice. like, a bunch of seasons. I watched I watched a great film called Psycho Gorman which mm. I, I want everyone in the chat to go and watch. It's basically... Yeah, I saw that you, advertised. Yeah, if you take Turbo Man and Power Rangers and make it an, an a hard uh, B-movie horror. Fucking sold. You sold. <laughs> <laughs> There's even Power Rangers-like fights in it. Uh, uh, do they fight in a quarry, though? They don't. They fight in a woods. Eh, fair enough. You know, not everyone can have a quarry. I, I feel you. <laughs> and thank you, uh, Kravoshi, Kravashi whatever it is thank you for the follow always appreciate it you see they got to have a uh, speech to text so i actually know what these names are sometimes i could probably add that but i'd rather not just because i know yeah. how people abuse it <laughs> sure do yeah we'll be getting seymour butts and ip freely he's forgetting all <laughs> all the warriors all the great defenders of the twitch stream <laughs> Yeah, my, my week was fairly uh, unexciting there. What did I do? Uh, I watched the new episode of Law & Order. They did a very delayed Burt Kavanaugh episode, so that was kind of fun, where it's like, yeah, you guys clearly got delayed, didn't you, that you're only getting around to this now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny coming and, like, watching, like, because, like, a bunch of new shows started, like, this last couple of weeks, and it's cool. You can yeah. tell, like, oh, these were filmed, like, either just, just mm. before the pandemic hit or, like, in the opening stages you can tell i've also been enjoying that uh series there i think it's on like tbs and uh, tnt and a bunch of other channels in the states uh the go big show have you seen this i haven't no it's a talent show and i know like american and british talent shows usually suck because it's always singing and dancing and stuff i couldn't give a shit about this is who can do the most extreme stunts so they've got like archers and guys doing basketball from convertibles and dudes <laughs> wrangling snakes and shit that sounds cool 
It is. It's pretty fun. I I, I enjoy this. I am interested in this. And again, uh, the, this was the first episode where someone like really fucked up their extreme stunt. It was a guy who's like, yeah, I can sink a dunk from anywhere, even in this convertible. And he fucked it up like a couple of the times, but he got it back. <laughs> So that was all right. I'm also, uh, oh, I'm also in the process of rewatching uh, Spectacular Spider-Man again because it's back on Canadian Netflix, and I didn't mean to restart watching. I'm like, oh, I'll have this on in the background while I do some work. <laughs> you know, a couple hours pass by. God damn it, I'm halfway into season one. Shit, I guess I'm just rewatching this now. I I did that. I did that recently with the um on Netflix. They've got a uh, uh a Japanese uh series called Junon origins it's it's like the grudge oh, yeah. it's like a tv show of that like the origins yeah, of it yeah. and i did this exact same i like put it on in the background and i'm like wait no this is actually really interesting and it's like really <laughs> fucked up and like i'm gonna watch this all yeah it's been a while since i've watched a good horror or anything and yes as the chat brings up wandavision yes that's right we also watched wandavision this week and it was yeah. very good it was so dope and we'll be sure to talk about that as well, because I'm sure we have many more theories and ideas now, and we can milk this for all that it's <laughs> worth now. <laughs> also, hey, if you're one of those new people who started listening on iTunes and our SoundCloud, thank you. That is now getting over a thousand views a week now, which was never the case before. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I don't know who spread the word and who's doing that, but appreciate it. Matt, Matt and I don't actually get any extra money if you listen to it on SoundCloud or anything, but that helps me in negotiation with ad people and everything. And in fact, I'm getting more ad interest than I have in the last little bit. Yeah, we're getting clout. We're getting clout. Now, how can I abuse this clout <laughs> is the question. And, uh, hey, speaking of which, before we actually head on into the news topics, this is probably as good as time as any to thank our sponsors and to do our, our, our whole what I hope will be a recurring segment now where we pay the bills and keep the lights on here at the Comic <laughs> Multiverse offices. Starting off, I want to give a big a hearty thank you to Wild Bill's Craft Soda. Obviously, I <laughs> talked about them last week. And, hey, if you follow me on Instagram and Facebook, they actually sent me a wonderful care package. I have a very very nice bottle of six shooter sarsaparilla in front of me right now getting all those good uh fallout uh new vegas uh friggin memories in there and here let me get that right oh yeah right there into the mic so you know it's good that good mm. asmr oh yeah oh get that mukbangable content now everybody <laughs> Shit, I haven't done that yet, but I still could, everyone. Who wants to see Joel mukbang it up in here? <laughs> this stuff is really good because it's craft, because it's made in barrels and small batches and everything. It's sweet and it's tasty, but it's not like tooth-rottingly sweet like a lot of soda is. Mm -hmm. It feels refined and it's got uh, cool artwork and everything on it. It feels very Wild West, I dig it. And if you head over to wildbills.com right now, Got the link down in the description and use the promo code CAPEJOEL, all one word. You get 10% off. This is the sort of stuff we all used to enjoy at conventions and rock concerts and outdoor events. We can't do that right now, but you can bring the taste of it home with you. And I think that's pretty sweet. Uh, that's great. Yeah, they sent me a bunch of stuff, so be sure to check them out. They've been super cool with us, and they're actually giving us a really good split, which I'm not used to when it comes to sponsors. <laughs> so literally, for everything you buy over there, you're actually helping me and Matt out, so that's much appreciated. <laughs> 
But that's not the only thing we got this week. Uh, we actually have a musical act that bought some ad time on the show. It's the band Cage, but it's spelled K-A-A. J-E, they're a DIY rock ensemble from Waterloo, Ontario. So actually, not too far from me at all. You know, they combine rock guitar with violin, some haunting vocals, and they have a brand new album out right now on Destroyed Driskid. Again, I don't know the music apps. I'm very uncool. It's called Building <laughs> Coffins for My Kids, which, man, what a, what a title. <laughs> You know what I like about that title, Matt? You hear that once, you're never going to forget it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how you know it's good. So, yeah, you can check them out right now, too. I'll be sure to link you down in the description. They seem like a really good group of dudes. And, uh, hey, just because, you know, they don't seem nerdy, they have promised me that they very much are and dropped some cool references to stuff that I think the fan base would definitely like there. They have a band camp, too, so I'll be sure to link all of that down in the description so you can check those guys out. And uh, thank you, uh, what is it, for those guys for reaching out to me. As always, if you uh, have a creative project, and I know the Comic Multiverse fan base has some truly amazing uh, creators out there in their ranks. If you ever have anything you want to promote, drop me a line on any of my socials and we'll work something out. Yeah, I'm 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 also trying to work something out with Audible as well. Hey, yes, there you go. Uh, but we'll we, we'll see about that. <laughs> get, well, they are they they saying that they give they give like sponsors to literally anyone. Apparently they do. Like I know some people mentioned like a gamer energy drink company and everything, but hey, I don't need them because I got this. No, really, I have this, and they are the official drink sponsor of the comic multiverse now in writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Tevia, you know how the show works. We're going to get to it. We've got to get through this other stuff first. You can feel his impatientness some week. What about now? What about now? <laughs> We're getting there. Don't, don't make us turn the podcast around and go home. <laughs> Because we will turn this whole show around and talk about nothing for an hour and a half. <laughs> also, uh, hey, uh, we also have another interview this week. I'm talking to Jason Inman again, and I didn't fuck it up like the Jim Zub interview from last week. <laughs> yeah, it sounded good. <laughs> yeah, it actually sounded good, and I didn't fuck it up. So be sure to stick around for that as well, everyone during the mid part of the show uh, we talk about everything we talk about his new kickstarter we talk about lost and the muppet show it's great oh nice yeah we were just talking about whatever so i guess with that we can hop into the first uh actual official news story of the week and uh, matt was very good to remind me of this one because again as i said my mind is turning solely to mush in quarantine and i don't remember what is even anything anymore but uh, we got a very cool trailer this week didn't we matt well yeah well we got a couple of cool trailers but i know the one you're talking about yes yes the the, the one that is most pertinent to our interest and as the biggest superman fan i know i'm gonna let you take point on this uh yeah so we uh got a surprise superman and lois trailer well i say surprise though it was coming because the show's a month away um and yeah it's completely different to what i thought it was going to look like yeah and be like. yeah it's yeah, uh, i think we expected it, it to look way more cw yeah this one looks I, I think it's got a little bit of money from hbo max put into it mm. it kind of looks like it does and i know like i think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago how the the vfx team on it is like the same one from like falcon winter soldier and loki yeah. and all that so there, there's a little bit of money behind it they're shooting it like a real movie and not mm -hmm. just a CW TV show. No, no. And um, it might also have to do because it's like 13 episodes long. So it's like they can, right. they've got a little bit more budget per episode. 
Um, yeah, but, which again, as much as I love the Flash and everything, they do stretch those out for twenty six, yeah. and they really don't need to. No, they don't. Absolutely. Um, hopefully, this might be the cha- changing point where they realize, hey, let's do thirteen episodes a season, make it better. Yeah, um, we can definitely hope so. But yeah, it, it looks really awesome. It does. It looks really different. Uh, I mean, obviously, we finally get to see superman's two kids uh john and jordan who were alluded to at the end of the big crisis thing when we found out that superman had not one kid but two and yeah they're already angsty teenagers keeping in the cw mold (laughs) you gotta have that you gotta they have to have that oh yeah no no doubt also as someone pointed out to me it's like okay so john makes a lot of sense because you know john was superman's dad good all-american name and everything why jordan and someone on twitter made a very good point they're like well because it sounds vaguely kryptonian jordan oh yeah well, also it's his son it, like i suppose son in whatever happened to the man of tomorrow ah uh, okay I, I think there is there is a jordan kent somewhere out there i just can't remember which story it was it was like an old story right now i wonder too because obviously we know john kent's full name and the importance of it jonathan samuel kent because you know general sam lane there you get the lane family connection what do you think jordan's middle name is gonna be uh hmm martha (laughs) don't say that name (laughs) never say that name (laughs) across the multiverse never say it (laughs) could name him after perry yeah, yeah, that'd be fun too. Yeah, yeah, Jordan uh, Perry Kent. Yeah, I like that. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe he doesn't even have a middle name. <laughs> you were the least favorite son. You don't get a middle name. <laughs> you think too, obviously, with having two kids, that the show will probably dip into like some Cain and Abel type uh, scenarios. I think it will. Yeah, it has to. Cameron says Jimmy. Yeah, Jordan Jimmy Kent. <laughs> or it'll be James. Yeah, yeah, true enough. Yeah, Jordan James Kent. That's not bad at all. Yeah, Christopher, like Christopher Reeves. Yeah, that's not bad either, actually. <laughs> Name him after an actor. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, it looks really cool. They don't tell us a lot about the story, but I mean, really, what more of a pitch do you need than, hey, it's Superman and Lois moving back to middle America trying to raise two kids as they struggle with superpowers and everything? Yeah, well, I don't know if these kids are going to actually have powers. They don't allude to that at all. I mean, you figure you have to go there at some point, I, right? Well, I think, like, to go with the Cain and Abel stuff, I think one is going to have powers Ooh. and the other one isn't, and that one's going to be jealous and, and whatnot. Interesting. Oh, I like that, actually. And maybe that kid starts to use his mind a little bit more and starts going into a Lex Luthor-esque yeah. direction. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's fun, actually. I like that a lot because it's like, hey – so much of the fun of those Tomasi stories when John was first really introduced is like, you know, you could go one of two ways, kids. You could either be a savior of this world or its ultimate destroyer. Now imagine if you had two kids, so now you know double the chance of fucking it up. <laughs> yeah, a lot of cool stuff they could go with there. And that show's actually coming on sooner than we thought because the Flash season premiere had to get delayed, so we're getting like a two-hour premiere for this? Yeah, well, we, we're getting a 90-minute uh premiere and then the rest is like a behind the scenes sort of like what they did at the end of arrow Mm -hmm. well that's cool i can't wait yeah it looks good comes in less than a month we got and just before that as well i think we've got black lightning which comes out in a couple of weeks yeah for its big final season yeah 
for uh, for this new Superman show. I'm sure we talked about this in other episodes, but what uh, what villains do you think we could uh, see brought into this show? Because it feels like Supergirl did most of the big Superman villains, didn't well, it? Well, yes, but also we're now post-crisis. So, like, mm. they could easily rewrite it so that, yeah all these villains never never went with supergirl they they're now with superman we we could get general zod back we could get bizarro i don't know i think the first uh season or at least the first couple episodes are going to be with an alternate earth lex luther right um, who who i think is that who i think is doom guy in in the trailer Mm -hmm. are there any villains that supergirl didn't do that superman could do or did they just end up doing everything over its run they did like all the pretty big ones that's the thing they did all the pretty big ones metallo right. parasite Cy- cyborg superman live wire yeah live wire uh mixel really spitlick yeah dang wow they really yeah. did do everyone Shit. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's like they can't even do smaller villains because it's like what about the gambler yeah star girl actually did the gambler <laughs> <laughs> which honestly i'm fine with that guy making a cameo because i love that guy he's pretty good he's pretty good yeah someone said mongol yeah did they do mongol on Supergirl? no no, no not at all <laughs> okay maybe we could do a little mongol war world thing if they wanted that'd be pretty cool yeah, that's definitely a place they could to have a guy who's like, here's a dark side like villain who's not dark side. Yeah, we could see, we could all maybe see dark side. I wouldn't put maybe him past it. No, I mean everything see is seemingly on the table. I mean now. we've had w- we've had dark side on the CW before. Yeah, right, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> And saying, yeah, if they did Dark Side on TV, that would really piss off the Snyder cultists. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> just just because it would be a bit more comic accurate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know everyone loved the Lobo that was on that Krypton show. Yeah. Wouldn't it be fun if we got him back? Oh, that'd be great. Oh, he was fantastic. Yeah, that was like one of the things that even now people still remember. Even the Brainiac on that show was awesome. Brainiac did look really good on that show. Do they still have those costumes? Can they just bring the costumes back so they don't have to make new ones? Uh. <laughs> I always wonder what happens with that. Do they burn the costumes? Do they sell them off? What do they do? I'm sure they're probably with some collector or in some warehouse or something. Ah, agreed, Jade, and the Elite would be good. I know they did Manchester Black on Supergirl, but the other members of the Elite would work really well. Yeah, yeah, they would. Atomic Skull, also a good monster of the week, who they could actually end up doing more with as they've actually done a fair amount with his character. Yeah, make him a, a sympathetic villain like they did in the comics. I like it. I like it a lot. So yeah, there's uh, Superman and Lois coming sooner than we thought, and boy, boy, it looks good. I can't wait for this. Yeah, I'm intrigued. I'm excited for a Tyler uh, Hoechlin. Hoechlin. I always say his name wrong, and people always give me shit about it. Uh, Generation West will tell us. Yeah, I'm sure he will. Our, our, our official, unofficial pronunciation expert. <laughs> Tyler McSuperman, that guy. Boy, I love that he has really gotten the shot to become this generation Superman and that it didn't yeah. come from movies, it came from TV. Yeah, and, the, and it looks like, yeah, they're actually giving him a shot to do it. Like, they've got the money yeah. and everything behind it. They're not skimping out on it, which for once is is something that they're actually doing right. And I mean, I think we can all agree that the world could use some more Superman now than ever before. Absolutely. 
All righty then. So moving on from there, we got some news from the world of comics. And uh, there was a big social media blitz this week for a new thing that Marvel was coming out with in the not-so-distant future. And this new thing sounded like a very familiar thing. It was Heroes Reborn, Matt. Yeah, yeah, you say new, but it was really just old. In fact, it was old on several fronts. So Heroes Reborn, obviously, of course, was the big story back in the day when Marvel wasn't doing so hot, when everyone was loving the X-Men, but they didn't know what to do with the Avengers and all their characters. So they're like, oh, we know what we'll do. We'll let Image write them. Image is big. Image is great and cool with the kids, and everyone will love it. But they didn't because they all totally sucked, and then they had to have the big Heroes Return story where they brought them back after sending them away. And everyone, when they saw this new heroes reborn like oh god what the fuck are they gonna do now and i'll admit i had several theories that ended up being way more interesting than one they actually did yeah yeah that i i was watching your theories and i i had a couple of my own and yeah they ours was just a little bit more interesting than this yeah wow we were we were cork bordering it all over the place like no see heroes reborn is actually talking about the ultimate universe this is donny kate's new project that he's been building up to we're finally going to get to see them reborn and they're using the name in the same way you know they used uh what is it freaking uh infinity war not infinity war but uh for the end of the big hickman avengers run why am i blanking on this right now it was called infinity or secret wars secret wars in the same way they use secret wars they're going to use heroes reborn Ooh, or maybe heroes reborn is referring to the x-men who have been able to cheat death because of the five maybe they start bringing back other heroes and other characters through that and that's going to be part of the reign of x actually no none of it's true we're just doing warped again where we fuse heroes and villains together to tell stories you know what this is this is um whatever happened to that goddamn remember they had like before covid there was that thing what was it called infinities or something oh yeah yeah that's yeah, just yeah. this i guarantee you that's just this that's yeah i guess infinities didn't come never, out did never it? i remember they like advertised it for a little bit and then it just like went away infinities never came out but star from the captain mar isn't she involved isn't she one of the infinities because she absorbed yeah. a stone am i remembering that right yeah or, yeah they I had like that that whole story in was it marvel comics a thousand where they, they they had the masquerader and everything but they had that one guy who was in control he was like a death row criminal in control of the yeah, time stone yeah, and escape. Yeah, all yeah. these people and yet not, not nothing happened war of the realms and king in black <laughs> yeah we had so many other stories we had to get to empire yeah so yeah basically we're doing amalgam comics again but without the dc characters so we got what looks to be agents of shield uh nick fury if he got mixed with uh mr fantastic because you know they got like similar salt and pepper hair <laughs> and he's he's wearing a lab coat <laughs> which yeah, means yeah, he's, he's smart yeah, he's he's Doctor Agent Shield. Then we got the Juggernaut and Doctor Doom, because you know Crimson Stones of Cytorak and everything. Yeah. And uh, what looks to be, I think, Thanos, but instead of Infinity Stones, he's got the ten Infinity Rings, a la the Mandarin. Yeah. And uh, what looks to be Scarlet Witch and Jean Grey, and a new version of Alpha Flight. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's I. I was talk, I was. I mentioned it to um our friend Kirk. How it's like whenever Marvel announced something, it's always like it's like a wet fart. It's like a nothing. Yeah. But like, and then you compare it to like what DC when DC announces something, they always go big into it, and it's like exciting. 
and everything in. Yeah. And I'm like, why don't they ever do that with this? They just like, here's a logo. Yeah, that's it. You know what it is? It's complacency. It's we're on top right now. We know we're putting out better books, so it doesn't fucking matter what we do. But yeah, this this was an underwhelming reveal, especially because we had a couple hours to think of way more interesting things this could be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it could be good, but like the way they're, they're going about revealing it, it's just like, uh, we, we had this before, not not too long ago. I believe it was uh, Cheryl Lynn Eaton. She's a commentator for the comic book scene on Twitter. She described this and uh, Clone Saga back-to-back and this weird new tactic that Marvel has taken when it comes to trying to hype up and promote stuff. She called it strife marketing, where it's like, hey, here's a thing you remember not really liking, so we're going to lead with this, let you get all freaked out, and then be like, nah, it's not that bad. Yeah, people are going to hate by it. Yeah, like hate buy. See, I don't even want to hate buy this because I didn't even hate buy warps. So I'm like, oh, that's a cool idea, but it's no amalgam, and even amalgam wasn't that good. <laughs> like these are fun images, but I don't really care to read the stories, <laughs> especially because it's like I'm enjoying reading your books now, Marvel, because by and large they were better than what DC was doing pre Future State. Yeah. And even then, Future State is in this funny situation where it's like, man, some of these are really good. Oh, they're stopping after two months? (laughs) (laughs) Well, are they, though? Because there's a lot of stuff that's coming over. And again, again, the whole thing is like a a test run. See, okay, what do we bring over after the first month? And it's going to be really easy to save the stuff you like because a lot of the creative teams Mm -hmm. that are writing this book are going to go and write the monthly equivalent. Yep. So I'm sure it would be a very easy flip to switch on there to be like, oh, okay, you wanted some of this future state stuff? Well, we'll be sure to bring it in then. Yeah. But yeah, that's Heroes Reborn. It's something. Boy, I hope this isn't a line-wide thing. I hope this doesn't interrupt books I'm reading. Kind of feel it's been a while since we had a line-wide, so I I kind of feel like it might be. Because even, even like Empire wasn't a line-wide or anything. No, it wasn't. Like the last, what was the last one? Like Secret Empire? No, not even that. It was uh, War of Realms was kind of line wide. Yeah, I guess so. There was a lot of a lot of times that, and I guess King of King and Black is kind of line wide, but not really because they've well, got a bunch of special standalone minis, and you could ignore yeah, a lot of it. Yeah, well, yeah, they they made books up for that event. They, yeah. It's not like you know amazing spider-man isn't stopping its last remain story to get involved and iron man's yeah. not stopping it and yeah in fact i am ignoring most of the king in black times i'm Same. reading i'm reading venom and king in black and probably spider-man because it's going to be or uh miles morales spider-man because it's going to be doing a time but by and large i'm just reading those and i feel perfectly fine with it <laughs> i read some of the times i read the planet of the symbiote one and it's just like an anthology with some stuff that it screams in it that's it see again it's like donny kate's venom is so good because it's so self-contained within its own Mm -hmm. pages and it doesn't go all over the place so it's almost a little when it comes time to do a big event it's like well no it's not meant to be that (laughs) it's very very interesting and uh yeah there's there's heroes reborn for you everyone it's a thing and actually that dovetails super nicely to a story about Donny Cates' Venom, which we discovered this week is actually going to be ending at issue number 200. Yeah, issue 200, which is apparently going to be 90 pages long. 
yes, in April, yeah. we're going to be getting this. And also, hey, nice job with the cover, guys, that essentially seeks to spoil the end of King in Black. I mean, it's a cover. It is a cover. And also, I mean, come on, we all basically knew it was going that way anyway. Eddie is going to win. He will sit on Null's throne and become the new Null, essentially. And what will that mean? Mm -hmm. uh, there was actually a really nice article attached to this where Donny Cates, you know, actually talked a lot about how much he loved Jason Aaron's Thor run and how much, you know, he really, uh, what is it, uh, didn't envy the guy who came in next to write after Aaron was done after a decade. And it's like, but wait, Donnie, wasn't that you? Weren't you that guy? <laughs> yes, yes, I was. And hey, for, the, for, for like all that he's done, it's like pretty matched up well with Aaron stuff like it's the same yeah. sort of tone and everything and yeah it's great took him took him an arc to get started but once he did it was really good and he basically says yeah we're done our story at 200 we didn't want to you know uh keep going after we had told you know our, our organic story and that it had reached its proper end but don't worry because I'm sure they'll get someone equally as good to keep writing I wonder if this means this is the end for his like like the grand story he's been telling with like the marvel cosmic stuff from like guardians to inhumans yeah. to this to thor and everything well he did also say he has another big book starting soon so i doubt that i think that's gonna keep going he's got to be bringing back the inhumans somewhere along the line yeah absolutely because i mean he was the one who quote-unquote killed, killed the, them, them yeah. off so yeah cyborg soldier says matthew rosenberg for venom yeah i dig that yeah, I could see that. I'd read that. I'd dig the shit out of that. Actually, <laughs> Matthew Rosenberg on Twitter was basically saying there, hey, so when that Moon Knight show comes back, right, it's going to be a pretty big deal to relaunch the Moon Knight comic. And, you know, he's a he's a Jewish hero. I'm one of the more prominent Jewish writers at Marvel right now. Just saying. <laughs> like, but he was basically auditioning for the job. Like, hey, guys, I got Moon Knight bitches. <laughs> and all I could think is like, hey, Matt, if I was in charge, you'd be the first on my list for a number of reasons. <laughs> Someone saying Tom Taylor Venom. Nah, I think Tom Taylor's a little busy with all his new Batman stuff and everything else he's doing. Oh, yeah. And he's got to work on Deceased 4 because even though Deceased end this week and was pretty solid, there's definitely a lot of, like, sequel hooks. Oh, yeah. Do, do we want to talk about that now, actually? Because we probably won't get a chance to do a big what we read this week se uh, sequence. But, uh, yeah, Deceased had an end. It did. Oh, it had, yeah, an end to some of its storylines, some of the more bigger storylines. The, the zombie plague, they dealt with that. Yeah, they dealt with that and dealt with Trigon and the Amazos. Yeah, which, you know, was pretty solid. There was a really, really great character piece for Constantine, who basically comes full circle. Yeah, he and the the one thing I really enjoy is they didn't give him an out because like, he does something like this. You think, oh, he's gonna have he's gonna have a trick up his sleeve. He's gonna have it made a deal with someone, and it'll he'll get a new body or something. No, he's he's like proper dead. Sure is, and he goes out like a hero though, and like yeah. you know a guy who spent so much of his life screwing other people over, but only at the end does he figure out to be the most selfless person in the world. Yeah, and honestly, he's he's he, he with prep time, he, he's rivaling Batman uh, for for the Bat God uh, trophy. <laughs> He, he had the most prep time. Literally 90% of Dead Planet was just him <laughs> prepping for the final fight. Yeah, every piece he got mattered in some way. He prepped like a motherfucker, and in the end, he won. 
uh, fun. <laughs> Someone said, wouldn't it be funny if uh, Jason Aaron and Donny Kate switched, where it's like, okay, you write Thor, and now I'll write Venom. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really funny. Has Jason Aaron ever written for Venom before? That seems like a no-brainer. I know he's written for Wolverine. So. He's written for a lot of those characters. No, I don't think he has. I think he's ri- written Venom in some of his other books, but... Yeah. Someone's saying it's only a matter of time before Donny Cates takes a crack at Spider-Man. Yeah, I could see that. When Spencer's done, I could see him having a run. Yeah. I'd like to see him do some DC stuff. Yeah, same. Yeah, is he is he exclusive? Is he on an exclusive contract? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, he seems to be really entrenched in the fan. It's hard to keep track with all the contractual stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Venom comes to an end at 200. Sad to see it go as early as April, but nice to know that they're not going to extend this past, you know, the story that they had. Yeah, they're not milking it. No. You know, it's also probably great, too, because Johnny Cates is like, hey, we want you to come on in and write this Venom book because we need it to coincide with the Tom Hardy movie. Do whatever you want. Be crazy. Tell whatever story you want. And he tells this, and it's great, and everyone loves Eddie Brock, even people who hated Eddie Brock like me. And now he's checking out at issue 200. Oh, cool, now my hands are clean and don't have to do anything to coincide with the sequel to the Venom movie when it comes out. <laughs> man, Donny Cates is the smartest man in all of comics. <laughs> what you're saying, Donny Cates made COVID to d- delay the, the Venom film so he could finish his book so he couldn't do another tie-in to that movie. <laughs> yes, that's that's the twist of 2021. Donny Cage, the creator and originator of COVID. <laughs> that's that's the that was the secret of virus. It wasn't really Matt Gargan in that uh, War Machine armor. It was actually COVID. It was all symbolism. <laughs> it was all symbolism, and we didn't get it until now. But now we do. And boy, do we feel smarter for it. Uh, hey, I, I was talking about the Tom Hardy Venom movie that actually dovetails incredibly nicely with our next story because it's all about comic movie delays, Matt. Something we're becoming all too familiar with. Yeah, every month there's another new delay. Another new delay. And we got two big ones that I'm sure will interest fans here. Uh, Jared Leto's Morbius is pushed back all the way to 2022. I'm sorry for oh, all you no. rapping I know, all you rabid Morbius fans out there, you're going to have to wait with bated breath. <laughs> all, all three of you. <laughs> all three of you will be very sad this Christmas, and I'm apologizing. I know we promised Morbius for Christmas, but we just can't. <laughs> we just have to delay. We just cannot deliver all the Morbius that we promised. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, obviously Jared Leto is crushed too. you know, from his sex island where he lives with his cult. Oh, he hasn't even heard about it yet. Oh, God, no. The boat that yeah. delivers the news only comes every two weeks. When Tom Hanks comes on horseback <laughs> to the island to read the news of the world <laughs> to the cult because they still think it's like 1682. <laughs> this can't possibly be good, right? And people still cannot be clamoring for this after all the pushback. I bet people forgot that this was even a thing and that this is even connected to Venom. Oh, I'm, I'm sure people forget about it, and people will forget about it until it comes out, and then they will forget about it immediately. And, like, clearly the powers that be aren't really interested in keeping people abreasted of it, because it's like you got one trailer, then nothing. Yeah, yeah, we got that one trailer that spoiled everything in the film. Yes. I think Michael Keaton remembers that he was in this. <laughs> for a second that they dragged him out of bed at gunpoint and said, look at something for Morbius or else. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, fuck this. I'm going to go be old Batman again. 
Yeah, and probably the new Batman. <laughs> Maybe the new Batman, too. Dep- movies in Hollywood are so weird. <laughs> the more we talk about it, the more I'm just like, what? what, what is even anything anymore? <laughs> so there, the stupid vampire movie is delayed for a little longer. Please, please don't see this and have this be another billion-dollar franchise like you did. Oh, Venom. you know it will. <laughs> Every day, I cannot believe that Venom made a billion dollars. I really can't. <laughs> Is that an Eminem song or whatever it was that I that guess. did it? Yeah, it really pushed it over the edge. It was Tom Hardy doing all his own sweating stunts. Yeah, sweating and eating lobsters. <laughs> Yeah, we we did a commentary for that, and I do not remember anything I said during it. I know we talked about how much he sweats through the whole film because it's very, very, very in your face, very profusely, just buckets of it. <laughs> uh, and uh, another movie that got pushed back to pushed back again, which I think by the time this is said and done, this one may actually be a contender for the most pushbacks of all. Uh, Black Widow is getting pushed back to May. Yeah, it makes sense pretty surprising too because you think that disney if they were going to cave they would have caved by now and been like now nah, we're just putting it on the app we're just putting it on disney plus but maybe now that they have wandavision they don't they don't care they're like look you're watching stuff from us we're good well yeah that well i think that's that is definitely a part of it because they've got that and they've got then like falcon and winter soldier coming after that and then i think loki not long after that so it's like they they're good for a couple of months and can probably stretch it out for a little bit more because we've got Mandalorian and all these other shows and everything starting. And when we finally get a chance to go back to movie theaters, I'm sure they will love to be the people to be like, hey, bet you missed seeing Avengers movies in theaters. Well, guess what? We have an Avengers Marvel movie right here, everybody. Go see it. Absolutely. See it twice, actually. Take the whole family. Take Grandma, who didn't die of the COVID. (laughs) She'll love it the most. It'll be great. It's so funny, too, to see like something like Black Widow, a movie that took them so long to make, is the one that's the getting the most delays. Yeah, well, yeah, again, it's just bad luck. It really is. The worst luck, some might say. <laughs> but yeah, it would be interesting that, and I know I've theorized this before, that if they do pick the perfect time to release it, if they sit on it just long enough, and it'll actually probably end up being a bigger success than it might have been before if it was released in just a normal year. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, you're keeping people, like, hungry for it. Yeah. It's like, hey, it's the last Avengers movie before, you know, the world went to shit. <laughs> <laughs> gotta gotta see it, gotta see it. Uh, now, what else did we have here? Ooh, so here's a fun piece of news, too. Uh, not about something that got delayed, but something that's actually coming out soon. Uh, they dropped some clips this week for Invincible, the brand new superhero animated show from Amazon. And uh, we're apparently getting three episodes this March. Yeah, March 26th, same day as... Uh godzilla versus kong and i think monster hunter rise and it's a big day that day (laughs) big big day commemorating march when the world went to hell last year (laughs) yeah isn't that some shit yeah i remember still it's like oh you know march price is gonna be a little weird this year with the covid and everything ah but i'm sure they'll have this under control soon enough and they didn't And I'm still here right now, everyone, but at least at least we got Invincible and at least it looks good. We got to hear the whole voice cast there, see the animation, and it looks great. It looks great. J.K. Simmons, man. Just killing it. Yeah, I, I'm really excited for this. It looks really great. 
It does. It looks really good. And Amazon, man, just going from strength to strength with their superhero content, from the boys to this now, they're they're making all the right choices. They might not have the Marvel and DC IP, but they're picking the good stuff and yeah. putting the right money and yeah. people behind it. Well, that's it. They've they've proven you don't need to have those brands to make like something really profitable and cool. Yeah, that people want superheroes. They want stories they haven't seen before, and we're going to give it to them. Yeah. So I'm definitely down for that. Yeah, color me excited for Invincible. And uh, also, I guess I'll need to actually start reading more Invincible. I read like the first volume and I'm like, oh, this is good. It's all finished, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I think it is. So I can actually go back and read the whole thing. Yeah. But yeah, I'll definitely have to uh, check that out and maybe do some video content on it. Uh, Lord willing, uh, maybe by March, you know, it'll have uh, calmed down a little bit that I can actually work in more animated superhero content to the channel. Because I know people loved my Harley and Young Justice videos. Awesome. So here's hoping that I can do the same for this. Uh, so yeah, I guess with that out of the way, uh, we want to talk about uh, some books we read this week before I throw on over to our interview uh, segment. Yeah, why not? Yeah, wouldn't uh, wouldn't be right if we didn't talk about Future State because there was so much Future State going on this week. There was, there was. This was our third big week, third big week. Yep, third week. Yeah. I I, ha- I had four Future State books that I uh, looked at this week. I'm pretty sure I had four, maybe a bit more. I'm trying, I'm trying to do them all. I'm like two behind. I, I I'm sure we read the same ones too, but I'll let you decide where uh, where would you like to start. Um, well, while it's fresh in my mind, since I just recently reviewed it, let's talk about the next Batman issue too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Next Batman here, we're actually getting to see Jace Fox as a detective, and he is no Bruce Wayne, understandably. <laughs> He's no Bruce Wayne, but then his Batman isn't usually like a normal Batman. He's dealing with slightly harder edged crimes like uh, rapists and child predators not only here but in the nightwing book too yeah i don't know who decided that the jace fox's raison d'etre was going to be sex crimes and it was going to be batman special victims unit but apparently that is like his trademark crime to fight and it's i wonder if maybe that has something to do with tim like maybe there is something in his past that that has to do with something like because yeah he seems rather focused on that sort of stuff very much so we have not gotten his origin yet in fact we probably won't get his origin in future state because john ridley's coming back with another the next batman title that looks to be the actual canonical origin Mm -hmm. and like if we find out later where it's like yeah tim actually got like molested at some point and that's why this is like such a major bugbear for him like whoa that's actually pretty pretty brave and pretty ballsy to have like a superhero also be a survivor of like sex crime himself yeah it would be absolutely an an intriguing place to take him because again it it like differentiates him from the other batman and their threats and their villains and the evils they fight yeah Yeah. where it's like yeah you know you saw your parents murdered before your eyes hey bruce guess what we all have our own traumas it's not a fucking contest It, it, it also like um because we haven't really gotten yeah we haven't gotten that thing that's like why is he batman like what's like like we understand why like bruce wayne was batman why dick grayson was batman but we haven't we don't understand why he decided to pick up the cow oh yeah they haven't answered that question or even what his relationship was to superheroes before the magistrate (laughs) took over and everything yeah and why he chooses to hide his face we do know he was in 
in like uh the army and like yeah there, there's like there was some turmoil that happened within the family that's about it yeah yeah which actually uh this issue we actually get to spend quite a fair amount of time with luke and jace's mom as she talks like policy and legalese with mayor nakano who is still the mayor from the detective yeah. comics book. and and um unlike his detective comics uh character he seems like corrupt as fuck <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? Like, in the Detective Comics, we're just like, well, he's not a bad guy. He has some, like, real hardline thoughts about superheroes, but you understand why he thinks that way. But yeah, you're right. Here, he's just a scumbag 24-7. Yeah, he 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 wants to bend the rules for the magistrate and bend the laws. And I, I love that talk with Tanya about the laws, how, like, um, she compares it with, like, well, a cop can, like, pull a pistol on 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 the joker and punchline and everything because it's like lesser or equal like violence yeah, and yeah. stuff whereas the magistrate are like using goddamn dragon's breath shotguns and depleted <laughs> uranium rounds against like pickpocketers <laughs> yeah it's great too because they're having this argument about the ethics of the magistrate mm-hmm. uh operating in gotham city and none of them are saying that it's wrong what they're doing. They're all very pro-magistrate and anti-superhero. Mm-hmm. But Tanya's problem is where it's like, oh, but they might be able to get out of it, though, if, like, any of this actually went to court and if, like, the magistrate <laughs> left anybody alive. Yeah, I guess she's writing this great line between, like, a protagonist and antagonist where she's like, yes. she wants to uphold the law, but she's also going up against her and son and, like, her family and everything. Magistrate is not a person, Tevia. The magistrate is a group. Yeah. Which actually, we learn a little bit more about that in Nightwing this week. We actually get to see who Peacekeeper One is under the mask. Yeah, and I, 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 I have a theory about who that might be. Um, it because we don't actually know who they are or anything. But I know, I know they recently died in Batgirl. But I think it might be James Gordon Jr. Mm, he does have the red hair, and he's fucking around with a name plaque that belonged to Renee well, Montoya. See, see that and how the story is about like how Dick, like he feels like he um let down his father and everything because mm-hmm. he wasn't there with Bruce. And I, I feel like, yeah, how it could be James uh, Jr. Because it's like, he feels like he let down his father and like, he, he doesn't seem very happy that someone else is commissioner. And yeah, it would be yeah. like a pretty cool thing with like the son of Batman and the son of James Gordon fighting each other. Yeah. Yeah. We never do hear his name either. He's just called Peacekeeper One. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the Batman book is cool because, yeah, we get to see Jace try and solve a mystery and how he's completely different than Bruce. He also doesn't have all the tech and gadgets to help him out because the magistrate is, like, watching that stuff. Yeah, tracking his phones and, and tech and everything, so he's got to be very low lo-fi. Yeah, lo-fi Batman, which in and of itself is kind of interesting, especially for a future that's all the more high-tech. Yeah. And uh, to contrast and compare, because, you know, we mentioned Nightwing, I guess we should talk about that too. Jace Fox actually shows up in the Nightwing book. Yeah, and does like kind of like the most un-Batman thing ever, and that is ask for help. Yes, I know. I loved that. And like even Dick is taken aback by that. He's like, well, what Batman asked for help? (laughs) (laughs) And of course, because, you know, it's a dark future, you know, Nightwing, he's a little grimmer, a little grittier, the fact of which the magistrate even call him on. (laughs) Yeah, he's, he's overcompensating because there's no Batman around. Blames himself for Bruce's death, though they never exactly say how or why he blames himself for that, it. That was my only problem with that book. I wish it went into more about that and it expanded on that a little bit more because it's just like a one-off scene. 
where it's like, well, were you supposed to meet him the night he was supposedly shot? It's also kind of interesting, too, because the magistrate knows full well that Bruce is alive. They're just using the fact that no one else knows to their advantage. Yeah, they're using the fact that the that the family, the Bat family or the resistance is like a splintered f- faction and they don't can't work together because of how well the magistrate track them and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they're using like misdirection and tricks and everything, which is pretty cool. It is. It's a nice way to set that up because we've seen so many stories of superheroes going underground and forming resistance movements and everything. <laughs> it's nice to see this play differently. Also, that it's Barbara who says that they should reach out to this new Batman and have him come join their team. Yeah. But obviously Dick doesn't want to do it because he's distrustful of this new Batman because he's still filled with shame about what happened to Bruce. Yeah, yeah. I, I did like that he, he didn't like like this wasn't a story where it's like oh nightwing's gonna fight the new batman because he's angry someone mm-hmm. is batman he's just like yeah a new batman that's it's cool i don't really agree with you but yeah that, yeah yeah it's uh cool too that he's operating out of arkham and that he's basically set it up as an ambush place for the magistrate that mm-hmm. he's just gonna like get them in arkham that's fun yeah where apparently it all begun on a day Yes, yes, they keep referencing A-Day, but we don't know what that is yet. I wonder what book will ultimately explain that to us. Yeah, we'll, we'll get it in, like, a Batman book, I imagine. I'm sure it will, or in a backup somewhere. Yeah. Uh, speaking of this, uh, that book did have backups too, right? I'm not imagining the, that. The Batman one did. The Batman one had a really cool prison drama with uh, Stephanie and Cassandra Kane. Yes, that was really good. The Batgirls one, I agree. It's very Orange is the New Black, but for Batman. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked it as well. Like these stories have been really great in their world building. And again, this story, like, like it's a prison filled with like heroes and villains. We got like Jefferson Pierce and Jimmy Olsen mm-hmm. and Icicle and Killer Croc and and Stephanie's like like the gang leader of them all (laughs) yes which makes a lot of sense because she was a superhero but her father was a super villain so she could move between both worlds yeah and that's part of the story she goes under she's undercover for the resistance to find out uh what's going on uh in the prison find out what like where batman is and that's also what cassandra's doing because she as we Mm. find out is contacted by uh oracle who is like hooked up to magistrate computers or something something like that it's also here where we start to see a real interesting timeline of events starting Mm. to unfold because steph is in the jail but also has still lost her eye at this point too so it's like oh when did that happen yeah yeah Yeah, all the books all these issue two books start and issue some of the issue one starts sort of like lay out like a timeline of where all these especially Mm. like the titans the shazam and the and the flash ones they all are connected yeah yeah definitely uh but um what was another uh future state one i had this week Ula, immortal wonder woman yeah this was great what a beautiful book. I rarely say that. I know one of my faults as a critic is I don't talk about art enough, but this book was eye-meltingly beautiful. Jen Bartel's art is, is, is never bad. It's never bad. Well, whatever you're paying her, you're not paying her enough. <laughs> she, yeah, she, she should just be like the, the artist that draws Wonder Woman from now on. Every, every panel in that book was just fucking iconic. And I never thought where it's like, does Diana look better with a little piece of gray in her hair? I think she does. Think she why does, am I yeah. more why am I more attracted to MILF Wonder Woman than I am <laughs> other Wonder Woman? What does that say about me? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Becky Cloonan, who's always been good 
actually manages to infuse a weird amount of like sweetness and into this story that's basically about Wonder Woman dealing with the end of the world because assumedly this story takes place even further in the future it, state. It, it it seems to imply it's like it's like the heat death of the universe basically. Yeah, the anti-life equation is just like swallowing everything up and uh, only the Amazons of Themyscira are really left alive to stand against it. Yeah, the Amazons who have uh, gathered up what was left of Swamp Thing and the Green mm -hmm. and uh, are planning on uh, Exodus to a new world since their world, uh, the cause destabilized and it's a lost cause. What What is it with DC's recent obsession with putting Wonder Woman at the end of the world and why does it work so good? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Why do Why do I not care about Wonder Woman so much when she's just doing regular stuff? But when, when it's Wonder Woman at the end of the universe, this is cool as shit. <laughs> yeah, it it does work really well, doesn't it? They've done it twice now, and it's like some of the best Wonder Woman stuff I've ever read. Well, maybe it becomes like like in this issue, uh, as the the Ghost Batman explains how she's like the um the hope, the the heart she of the team, and with living yeah yeah and maybe that 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 works as like oh it's the end of the world no it's hopeless but really it's not because wonder woman's here that uh that exchange was really wonderful and i hope we see that adapted somewhere because it's really like poetry in the writing where wonder woman's like you know i always respected you batman because you never gave up and you were never afraid for fighting lost causes and the underdog and everything and batman being like yeah you know i was never afraid to die and you know i think i you know gave that feeling to other people that there are some things worth dying for but you diana showed them that there are things worth living for yeah i, I like the talk about um the the uh becky cloonan's take on like the bat prep time how he's always one step ahead and it's like well not really he's just accepted his role in the game they're all playing yeah that's a very good way to put it. where it's like look i'm not better than anyone i just play differently than other people i'm i'm all in on this shit for better and for worse yeah really really nice touch dark side gets a cool new design here too that's like a fusion of his old universe look and like his new 52 thing it's probably the best he's looked in a long time it has yeah and uh, yeah with jen bartels art it looks even better yeah he looks fucking sick and dark side's basically like ah so the entire universe is dying huh huh oh and it's anti-life that's behind it interesting I'm gonna go to earth and see whose ass i have left to kick before everything <laughs> is destroyed and i'm like yeah that's dark side for you yeah yeah i i, I like that he just uh, like um the one-armed uh orion uh, and and barter come to him as oh the universe is dying and he's like eh whatever yeah so <laughs> i don't give a shit which is so very dark side he's like i don't care i don't yeah. care about anything i'm the ultimate nihilist <laughs> And we also get to see, like, a glimpse of an old Superman who is very clearly still Clark because he's got the S-curl and everything. He looks good with white hair. He does. The, it's the, a pretty the costume, it reminded me a lot of um, the Kurt Busiek story Secret Identity, uh, mm. which is the Elseworlds, where, like, a real person ends up as Superman, and it, he That's ages, soft. and it looks like the older Superman in that. He's also got, like, the old Captain Marvel cape going on, too, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting look for Superman. He's he's barely in it, but it's nice that he's there and even old-ass Superman is still trying to defend Earth at, mm -hmm. like, the fall of everything. Yeah. Really nice touch. Also, Diana's got, like, a cool collection. Like, she's got Batman's belt and she's got, like, Green Lantern's ring and a necklace and everything. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure next issue she's going to be getting Superman's cape. Yeah, really, which, goddamn, that's a good look, too, actually. Yeah. <laughs> 
when she gets all that stuff, just all, all of my friend's accessories. I have all and, the accessories. And also I like, cause I like, when I saw that picture, I'm thinking, oh, is she like, she like doing it to like, like power herself up, you know, the Green Lantern's ring. And it's like, no, it's, it's like, she's using it because she doesn't want to lose the memories of her friends when she it's leaves this earth. very tragic. Yeah, it's really great. She's a walking gravestone, basically, yeah. is what she is for all of her fallen friends. And she's probably going to pick up, like, Aquaman's trident and shit. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, all their stuff. Uh, uh, because who will be left to remember the great heroes of Earth? Who will be left to remember my friends? It's it's very like the elves leaving at the end of Lord of the Rings, isn't it? Like <laughs> the Amazons are the elves. Yeah. And they're going to get on the big boat and leave this world. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, that one's great. And then we got a Nubia backup in this that is also very good. It's really, I love Nubia in this one. And someone remembered Grail exists. <laughs> yeah, remember Grail? Remember Grail? She's back in Pog form. She was supposed <laughs> to be really important because she was like half New God and half Amazon, but then like no one remembered and she stopped being important. Yeah, I know you're like after like she was uh, created for that um just big Justice League story. They did try and use her in like the wonder woman book but it never really went anywhere didn't take no that was around the same time they were also saying that like diana had a brother too and it's mm -hmm. just like a didn't yeah. take no a lot of new wonder woman characters just do not take no but nubia is an old wonder woman character and apparently nubia can be really awesome and really awesome for a lot of the same reasons yara floor is and that is hey what if we took a wonder woman but steeped her in a completely different mythology yeah, and made her funny as well. Yeah, she's very funny and very quippy. She's like the Spider-Man of Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah, she's great. And at this point, too, I'm like, man, you know, like, Yara Floor is great and Nubia is great. Can we have, like, a league of Wonder Women? Can that just be a team? <laughs> the Wonder Women core. Oh, my God, just a bunch of Wonder Women from different mythologies all over the place. you got a Japanese one and a Viking one. Oh, yeah. But get an Indian one naturally too, and you know she's got like a bunch of arms and everything. Of course, you know, <laughs> like Vishnu, that'd be pretty fun. This this book too also had probably my favorite. Uh, what is it? Naming gag in anything, and that is you know for Nubia to crack this case and find out what uh, Grail has been stealing. She needs help from like an ancient deity who runs the Black Spider Club, and her name is Aunt Nancy get it <laughs> aunt nancy anansi the african spider god yeah that's great <laughs> that's a fucking great i i love shit like that i love weird punny names <laughs> and like aunt nancy's a really fun character too and also funny and irreverent yeah it's yeah it's it's a great new direction for because like newbie up until now has really just been, has been like well like well like what i've seen of her is like a, like a harder edged wonder woman where she's a bit more warrior there's there's been a couple versions there's one where her and diana were twins there's one mm -hmm. where she was from another universe yeah. there's one where she's just another amazon but people always liked her because she had a cool ass design she did yeah and I think this really, like, showcases, too, you know, one of the benefits of, you know, the whole omniverse. Anything can happen anywhere. Yeah, we can have three Wonder Women at once if we want, and they can be different and fill their own niche and everything and be super cool in their own way. I mean, shit, I've enjoyed more Wonder Woman stories now than I have in a while. Uh, yeah, they, they. it seems like they finally, like, cracked the code. Apparently, if you take the limiters off Wonder Woman, you can just do whatever you want. <laughs> I like Nubia, too, because Nubia was fighting crime and, like, cracking cases and everything, stuff that Diana hasn't done. Yeah, yeah, she she was, like, the, um, 
like street level like doing yeah. do, doing like crime stuff whereas like wonder woman was like fighting gods and whatnot and the end of the world i like the idea that there's a wonder woman out there who's got to pound the pavement and like look for clues and shit yeah can she inherit all the villains that Diana doesn't use anymore? I mean, well, Grail's a villain she doesn't use anymore. Can she have, like, Silver Swan and Dr. Psycho and yeah. Dr. Poison? Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, can we have all the villains that no one uses anymore? Wonder Woman has a very interesting rogues gallery that gets zero play. <laughs> Giganta, there you go. But, uh, yeah, so that one uh, was totally kick-ass. Uh, what else did you have, Matt? Uh, we had uh, Superman Worlds of War. Yes. She won yes, a we did. fantastic issue. Boy, was it. And boy, was this unexpected. Like, you see the cover, and it's like, oh, it's going to be Gladiator. It's going to be World War Hulk, but with Superman. And you get a little you get a little taste of that, but it's really not what the story's about. This this has me really excited because um, Philip Kennedy Johnson's going to be writing both action comics and Superman in Infinite Frontier. And, yes, um, and he has me interested to pick it up now. Yeah, this yeah. Well, he's laying down. Well, th this story, this whole story is just like him laying down. It's like, this is what Superman means to me. Yeah. And, and it's perfect. It's, it's it exactly is. what I think Superman should be. Yeah, absolutely. He he is the right kind of Superman fan, and it definitely shows. The idea is is that we are in the future. Uh, John has bottled the city of Metropolis, and no one quite knows why. People are freaked out because Superman is gone. But everyone still knows he's Clark Kent, and because of that, Smallville has become like this weird mecha point for like drifters and people looking for answers about the universe, and like it's become this horrible, like spiritually dead tourist trap. Yeah, we got we got people trying to sell fake kryptonite, and and people setting up like the teachings of Kal El, where they ph philosophize over his like chemistry papers from high school. Yeah, as they're like, oh, there's some deep secret meaning in here. And like a whole cult is formed around it. I'm like, man, I work on the internet. This is still maybe like the least silly cult I've heard about today. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we basically follow this girl who, you know, was saved by Superman. And, you know, she joins this like drum circle and everyone tells their own story of where they think Superman may have gone. And this is where the artist just gets to go nuts and just like yeah. draw crazy shit. Mikkel Janin just just swinging for the fences here. We get some Killing wonderful, it. wonderful stories about uh, like people saying, oh, we'll save like a suicide bomb went off and and we didn't see Superman, but we knew it was him because of like the bomb exploded a mile up in the air and we saw a red streak and i got saved by Ma from superman when he was fighting magog and the only thing i remember is that he was talking to me so there's yep. one wonderful stuff like that and then yeah we get like the conspiracy theories and uh, all of them are, which are like can these like be stories like these are they really fucking sound cool like pitches. <laughs> these are really it's fucking like cool all those people in that drum circle had a podcast, Matt, just like this one, and these were all their pitches. I think Superman ascended to a higher level of being, man. No, he's like an intergalactic farmer now, man. Seed in the world for a better tomorrow. No, he was a shapeshifter, man, and he just went to another universe that needed him more, man. Pass it. My favorite one, and it's one that I'd love to see, like, become a company-wide event, which is just like, oh, he wouldn't have been the only Kryptonian like there were space travelers so like what what's to say there aren't hundreds of worlds out there with like tyrant supermen and they all come yeah. they all come to earth because they knew superman was there and it becomes the age of krypton i'm like there's an <laughs> there's an event there's an event that's definitely a pitch he's got in his back pocket isn't it <laughs> yeah. Philip kennedy Josh, like do you like that because i'll make that happen <laughs> 
also one of those evil supermen looked like invincible's dad <laughs> he did yeah yeah which i knew had to be a reference and obviously you know this girl who we've been following she's our pov character and she gives what is essentially the right version of superman where it's like you know you guys have got it all wrong you know you're concentrating on his powers and his costume and all these superficial things you know I was saved by Clark Kent. You know, it's the man, it's his humanity that makes him so super. And then you got one, like, fucking shit huffer in the corner. No, actually. His powers. He punches people. That's only when he's Superman. And I'm like, oh, that is so good because I've come across people exactly like that. Same. I think we all have. And it's like, shut the fuck up, Zach. (laughs) No, he's best because he has his power. Oh, why is this lady leaving? What did I do? (laughs) And everyone else telling him to shut the fuck up, too, which was also good. (laughs) And then in the last page, we actually do get to see Superman fighting in Mongol. One of the Mongols, maybe his kid. I don't know. There's lots of Mongols. I'm pretty sure it's, yeah, Mongol 2. Because a Mongol was killed in, like, Leviathan Rising, I think. There you go. Yeah, fighting in the war world, all gladiator style. And again, still hopeful. And it's like, don't worry, you know, alien friends. We're all going to get through this. We're all going to get home. Yeah, that was that, oh, so good. And his costume looks so good. It's like Frank it Frazetta does. designed a Superman costume by way of Conan. Very. It is super Conan. And even like the symbol there looks like it's not the traditional S. It's one of the other ones. It's it's a Kingdom Come uh, It's Superman literally symbol. Kingdom Come, yeah yeah love that love the kingdom come reference uh this one had some fun backups too we get another shiloh norman mr miracle story which is also on war world yeah which was really good but i found it weird because it says that this takes place after superman of metropolis issue two so why not just put it in that book like i know we both hate it when that happens yeah because because then it kind of spoils the story we know he gets out and gets to war world somehow until he eventually isn't on war world at all he's just out in fucking space yeah 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 that was cool and uh, yeah that ties into the the midnighter story as well because we see see midnighter briefly in his story which is the best one the midnighter story which again is also from clunan i do believe yes yeah uh, uh, clunan and uh michael conrad they they they, they like like duoing a lot of the stuff in future state they are man this midnighter story was bloody it, it was super violent exactly how midnighter should be they were really pushing the boundaries of like okay what can we get away in a regular dc comic what can we get away with <laughs> quite a lot quite a lot and i have to imagine it's because like what he was killing was like technically yeah. like cyborgs <laughs> they're robots it's fine and then i was really not expecting to they bring up that stupid new brain cells element again apparently these guys yeah. on war world are trying to create a new element that would be like kryptonite but for other races to like kill and destroy them which is an interesting concept i i like that because yeah it's giving uh what i what i thought wasn't going to happen which was a backstory to this thing and like making it an actual not just like a throwaway thing that some weirdo villain had they're making it like a big part of this story i do love the idea of like what is a human kryptonite it's called cancer (laughs) oh no he got me with the cancer ray shit (laughs) (laughs) now i'm weak and lethargic (laughs) losing my hair fuck And of course, in the end, because it's a Midnighter story, Apollo has to be involved in some way too. Yeah, and he's seemingly evil. Yeah, but we don't know. We'll find out. Yeah. That was fun. And then we got a new Black Racer as well. Yeah, who might be connected to the 
the actual black racer or maybe not like like her name is black racer because that's like her racing name because she races like giant mechs and stuff and then she gets like powers yes i like the new costume too because it's a nice updating of the old original looks like a knight looks like a knight looks like a knight which again it's a space knight so it's not that silly yeah yeah that was a nice little grab bag of stories yeah uh but was that everyone yeah that was all the ones i read uh did you read any ones i didn't what did i read i i read uh shazam issue one. Oh, okay you read this and i didn't tell me tell Ooh, me about the shazam this was a good mystery one this was a good Ooh, this one okay. connects up with uh the teen titans and the flash and right a little bit of the nightwing because nightwings and teen titans and whatnot yes um yeah so billy's leading the shazam is leading the um uh jla uh out out of detroit Uh, as mr miracle uh powerhouse miss martian bunker and the question man can't, can't kill bunker we're sidelining red hood because of his connection to scott lodell but freaking out bunker gets to keep coming back um and yeah he's leading and um they're fighting like check checkmate uh oh. like again connecting it up with the flash stuff um yeah yeah and um uh, question is uh is not vic sage or renee montoya or any of these people it's someone new we don't know who oh, um cool. and he they suspect something's wrong with shazam um mm-hmm. because uh he seems like a might jumpy and like they've never seen him give back power to billy or anything like that and he's always been shazam and everything and uh the, it all comes to a head when uh giganta and a manhunter robot break into iron heights to bust out the mm-hmm. creeper and they do it on behalf of kandak and black adam because creeper is a a resident of of Kandak and he's wrongfully imprisoned and everything <laughs> um so the jla go and just like immediately stop them but then somehow during the fight creeper is murdered mm. and and the team start putting it together it's like a bunch of villains in their care and around the world have been murdered and they've all been murdered with this uh stone sort of dagger sort of thing which shazam has around his neck oh and um they 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 sort of start piecing it together and they find out that shazam murdered creeper and and as we learn shazam is shazam he's not billy because uh in the past he went to hell to fight uh neron Um, nice and we learned that um they trapped a villain in the rock of eternity and someone's got to protect the door and the only person who can do that is Billy Batson because oh, wow. powers and stuff aren't the currency of the realm in hell. It's innocence, and he's the most hmm. innocent. So he's the only True. one who can protect the door. Um, so what Niran does is he splits Shazam and Billy. And it's it's left like ambiguous, but I think Niran did something to Shazam because Shazam, when they mm. split, he was blind. And Shazam and Neron did some spell over him. And I think like Shazam is seeing things that aren't there and making him do things because they make a, make a point that he's going to save the world as he sees fit. Mm. So I think like there's some sort of like illusion going on and yeah, Billy isn't actually in Shazam anymore. They've split. And that's why we've never seen Billy go from Shazam and come back from Shazam or anything like that huh yeah a murder mystery with shazam i do like that that does sound pretty cool i yeah. might have to check that one out and it's Especially... connecting up with like all the horseman stuff and everything yeah, like that yeah. 
which I like we still haven't seen the horsemen. We've heard mm -hmm. about the horsemen of the apocalypse, but we haven't actually seen any of them yet. Yeah. Also, too, you got to figure if Miss Martian is on that team that there's got to be some sort of shape-shifting shenanigans as well. Yeah, possibly. That would always be my bet there. That's like a, you know, never never not bet on the shapeshifter. <laughs> more white Martians, more hyperclan. As uh, maybe maybe Miss Martian's like, "Yeah, you know, I was only good because there were no other white Martians around. Now there's other white Martians around." <laughs> <laughs> Now I got to go, you know, fight for my own people and everything. We're the last of our race. <laughs> uh, so was that it? Was that all of uh, the Future State books that we read this week? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it is. All right, then I guess I'll start winding down this portion of the show then, and we can kick on over to my interview with Jason. And we, we talked for about another 50 minutes, everyone. So again, uh, you definitely didn't get cheated on a show this week. And also, hey, if you're a patron, I put this one up first for you, so you can watch that one. You can watch this in video and audio form uh, when we put this one up. So that's going to be good. Nice. So that'll be fun. So again, thank you everyone for watching and listening. Uh, we really appreciated it. Again, thank you so much to our sponsors for helping us bring this show to you. Thank you to the patrons who have always been there for us. And uh, we hope we'll continue to be so in the future as we entertain you and bring you more stuff. Uh, be it Future State, be it King and Black, be it whatever the future has for us. So with that, everyone, I'll start bringing the show to an end, eh? Yeah, uh, thanks everyone for coming out most definitely and with that i will now kick over to myself for the interview portion of the show so with that everyone bye 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 and hello and welcome everyone to another installment of the comic multiverse interview edition and i didn't lose this one this time this one is actually here this time don't give away the trade secrets yeah really uh, <laughs> I, I i'm very forward with my failures to my audience it makes me relatable don't you know well fair okay fair point i i, I will i retract the statement and i should learn from the better professional oh you're too kind <laughs> so uh that voice of course and face that you're seeing on your screen right now belongs to Jason Inman, longtime friend of the show, comic professional, podcaster, all around internet renaissance man. And I think with your appearance here, Jason, I think you've been on the show more than anyone else with your wife and partner, uh, Ashley, yes. coming in close second. So I should send out a little trophy for that. You should give me give me a no prize. There send me an go. empty envelope. I love it. I absolutely should do that. So uh, <laughs> it's nice to have you here, man. It's nice to get this opportunity to chop it up and talk with you, especially in these oh so trying, stressful times we all find ourselves. And I guess my first big question is, uh, how have you been, man? The last time we talked uh, was in August for the mm. show, and uh, that was rough. And then it just kind of kept happening until now. <laughs> so what's up? How have those couple months been? You know, I, I, I don't know if anybody in the world had a happy 2020. Mm. Um, you know, I, I don't even know if the new president of the United States, Joe Biden, could say he had a happy 2020. <laughs> I doubt it. Um, I think he had a good end. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I... I Luckily, I can say that, like, I took the year and the time and the stress and I, like, tried to be as productive as possible. And I tried to just, like, barrel down and write more. Um, and I and I did take the fake break of 2021 and kind of just be like, all right, this is a hopeful year. This is a productive year. <laughs> Last year was the year where I could, you know, because I like everybody. I had some weeks where I was like, you know what? All I'm going to do is watch Star Trek this week. That's yeah. all I'm going to do. I'm not going to work very hard because what's the point? Yeah. But this year I was like, all right, no, it is time to get back 
to the normal swing of things. It is time to push forward, and that's what I'm going to do. And so far, 2021 has been pretty good. Nice. I'm in much the same boat. I had uh, big plans, uh, what is it, to get back in shape. I looked at a video of myself from 2019, and I'm like, holy shit, I was skinny. What the hell happened to that guy? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I uh, put on the quarantine 30, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Oh, interesting. I... uh, Luckily, so, so this is the thing, you know, because my full-time job for the last couple of years has been working uh, for a television writer's room. Mm-hmm. And television writers are notorious for having having really, like, the, the taste buds of three-year-olds. Oh, so, like, it's, yeah. it's Kit Kats and M&Ms everywhere. And so I put on weight there. And then luckily, not being in the television writer's office, I was able to, like, lose some weight, actually. <laughs> oh, nice. That's always good. Yeah. I, uh, I'm going back on doing the keto thing, but of course I also got like a soda pop uh, sponsorship as well too, and I'm like, oh, this came at the best and worst time. Oh boy, oh man, oh, you didn't, it, it wasn't the keto soda. No, no, Zevia. I've been writing Zevia, but no, they're uh, they got to deal with Disney. They ain't writing me. Oh, Zevia has to deal with Disney. Yes, their brand new kids line of Zevia soda is all uh, branded with Disney characters. Oh, interesting, man. So I, I'm wondering, like, in, like, episode seven, are we going to see, like, when WandaVision, we're going to see Zevia pop up? That's going to be weird. I'm fine with that. That's totally cool by me. <laughs> you, you, you've been enjoying WandaVision. I'm sure Matt and I talked about it earlier in the show, but what's uh, what's your take on the series? You know, I, um, I was not looking forward to WandaVision before it aired because... Really? Yeah, Wanda's just not my favorite. I've never been a big fan of Scarlet Witch or Division. She's, she's I, underwritten in the movies, I will not yeah. deny. Um, you know, and I even think a little bit in the comic book, she's a little bit unwritten as well, mm. but, um, I can't I, remember the last time she's had a big central story. I'm sure that'll change right? now with the show though. Uncanny Avengers, maybe like, yeah. you know, but she's a team member, but, um, yes, yeah, that, yeah, that's probably the last time. Yeah. I also don't, I don't like the inhuman retcon. Don't buy it. I, Magneto is her dad. I don't care. You'll never change my mm, mind. She's not an inhuman. The high evolutionary made her. And uh, they, they never use the word inhuman. A lot of people assume she was inhuman, but they never came oh, out fair. and said it. Don't buy it. She's a mutant, man. She's a mutant. She's Magneto's daughter. That's my headcanon. Forget the rest. That's, um, that's fine by me, too. It's interesting that Hickman had the ability to throw the switch on that right mm-hmm. away the same way he did it on everything else. But he didn't. He has another bigger long game for Wanda, yeah. apparently. Uh, so when, so to be honest with you, when I watched the first two episodes, I was just impressed that Marvel was trying something different and was oh, trying yeah. something, and they were really leaning into the idea that they were like, this is a streaming show, so it's mm. different from the movies. And they I, committed. And I, yeah, I really appreciate that. I appreciate the creativity of that. I appreciate the, uh, um, the cojones of that because Very. they could have really rested on our on their laurels and they, I, I was kind of expecting it just to be a normal superhero show like I, I thought all the advertisements were just a dress-up thing I was like Same. oh they're gonna they're gonna fight a villain real quick like so, that'll be episode one but you know there'll be a wraparound story in the main world no everyone you got to sit down and watch a whole episode of the Dick Van Dyke show yeah. is what you gotta do I you know yeah and I will say as a fan of like all those old gr- black and white comedies mm-hmm. I thought they nailed the tone brilliantly. Oh God, the yeah. most the most recent episode I think was like a pitch perfect Brady Bunch episode. Oh, yeah. Um so to be honest with you I'm quite impressed. And Same. if they if they stick the landing on this thing, it might be my favorite Marvel thing ever. Man, it's certainly getting there. I know a lot of people were making some very favorable David Lynch comparisons, and I certainly yes. see the blue velvet. It's a, it's velvet a very Mulholland Drive. Yeah. Mulholland Drive, blue velvet. There's a lot of that going on in there. 
Uh, yeah, I, I think you had the right word when you said the cojones that it takes for this, and I yes. think these are the sort of devil may care. Or the ovaries. Let's let us let us not true let's enough. Not gender side. Absolutely, side. big agree. Yes. That, that these are the sort of crazy, wild, creative swings you can only get to make when you've made like several billion dollar movie mm-hmm. franchises for them to actually come up and be like, you know what? We don't care if you like this one. This is just yeah. for us. Yeah, I mean, no, I I. <laughs> It makes me really hopeful for their other streaming shows Same. because I've I've been a big critic of like, man, I don't like this idea that I have to watch every single one of these shows to right. understand the next movie. Um, now, I still think they're going to do that. Like, I, I'm throwing it out there right now. I think the ending of this show is Doctor Strange shows up. Mm, that's I a big one. I honestly think this is the entirety of a pre-credit scene for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Interesting. If that is, that'll be really cool. But also, yes, I, I see what you're saying as we're getting to the point of media saturation now. How yes. many of these do you have to watch? Because I know a lot of people said that about Avengers 1, where it's like, oh, it's one solid story, and you need to see all of them. In the back of my mind, mm-hmm. I'm like, eh, you don't really do. You need to have a working knowledge of some of these, but you don't have to actually see all of them. You need to see Thor, and you need to see Captain America. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. And I and I also think that, like, you know, it, it's just like I always think about things in terms of my mother. And mm. I'm, let me explain this. Because my mother is, you know, she's in her 60s now, and she's not the biggest comic book fan. She's aware of these things. But, like, my my mom is never going to watch every single Marvel movie. She's never going to watch every single Disney Plus series. So, like, yeah, I, I'm of the fan of, like, you know, you should still be able to pick and choose. Right. You know, like, like if you're watching Avengers Endgame and you haven't seen Ant-Man – you should just be able to like, oh, okay, he's the shrinking guy. Cool. Right, right. But you, but you, there shouldn't be like a chunk, a scene in Ant-Man where you just completely, or excuse me, in game where you just completely don't understand it because you didn't see it. Right, right. And I think they've been pretty good about that. I, I like to they've use, been, they have been pretty good. Yeah. I, I like to use the mom yardstick there. Uh, my mom, she got Disney plus there and she did watch all of the Avengers movies and all of the Marvel movies. And she has a surprising working knowledge for a woman oh, wow. in her fifties. Yeah. So much to the point I did a video series where I'm like, all right, Right, mom you're gonna sit down and i'm gonna show you a picture of every avenger and you're gonna give me your thoughts on them we're about two videos deep into that oh my god that's amazing i haven't seen those that's so awesome i'll have to send them to you they're very fun they're very fun people were oh blown god. away when she's like oh and that's monica rambeau and she's spectrum and they're like how does she know that i'm like because i explained to her, her spectrum was when she saw captain marvel and she's like really she gets to come back the little girl and be here yes actually and she's gonna be in wandavision well i love i love I didn't know that was her. No, I, yeah. I, I knew I knew the actress was somebody important just because like you can tell by the way that they were focusing on her. Mm. And then when I read the uh, bonus article that said she was Monica Rambeau, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm a little bit more excited for Captain Marvel two now. You have piqued my interest a little yeah. bit more. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how these shows move forward because it's like, yeah, 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 we're setting up characters here so they can come to the movies. And it's like, yeah, Miss Marvel is going to get a whole show and then also be in the Captain Marvel movie. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Well, I would imagine I, – I, so I also have a stealth theory here because Do a tell. lot of the stuff they're doing with these series seem to be – setting up a young avengers oh I'm gonna yeah guess disney plus show oh yeah it's gotta uh, be it's a, the pieces are already in place yeah like i think i think wandavision is gonna create billy and uh is it teddy tommy Who, tommy excuse me uh and everyone forgets know, tommy everyone knows billy because he's been in more yes. higher profile stories yes 
Yes, and then um, I think Falcon Winter Soldier is going to set up Patriot. Yeah. I think that's where you're going to find out about uh, uh, Isaiah Bradley, who one of the mm. greatest comic book characters of all time. Agreed. Um, I, we know that Kate Hudson is in Hawkeye. Yep. And I have another theory that Loki, the end of Loki, is that he gets turned into a kid. Hey, kid Loki. Nice. Yep. Yeah, we've seen all the other versions of it. Oh, that'd be pretty yep. fun. And that'd then be pretty Park, good. And then Park, uh, Miss Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, from her series, and then I wouldn't surprise me if Miles Morales gets thrown into the Young Avengers. Yeah, because we know he if, exists. We saw his uncle, and yeah, especially with Spider-Man. the time jump. Yeah, but I think I think uh, I don't know if they're going to do it as a movie, or I, mm. I would guess they're probably going to do it as a Disney Plus series. Would be my guess. But I think I think a lot of the Disney Plus stuff is is inching towards Young Avengers. Yeah, because you got to inch to somewhere, as they have discovered. Mm. Your interconnected universe works better when you have, like, a goalpost you're trying to reach and not when you're just doing them willy-nilly. And they're like, well, maybe we'll make another one. Maybe we won't. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah, totally. totally. Having something to work forward to certainly helps. Well, you know, it's another thing, too. The other thing I like about WandaVision is um, it reminds me a lot of the mid-2000s, sort of the first wave of serialized television shows we got, the mystery box shows like Battlestar Galactica and Lost Lost. and all the (laughs) terrible ones. Uh, But, yeah, like, I feel like WandaVision is one of these shows where, like, I feel like I cannot look away from it. I can't look at my phone because every single thing I'm seeing is an Easter egg or a hint. Yep, there's always something there. Did uh, did you ever watch the weird avant-garde British puppet show that was online there for a bit called Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared? No, what is that? Okay, so it's a really weird, like, art piece from these guys who are, like, really seriously into puppetry. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and they did a series, again, very David Lynchian, where it's like, let's take a look at the maybe darker psychological horror that could exist on, like, a Sesame Street or a Muppets and everything, where what if some malevolent force was corrupting the lessons of every episode and will eventually build to, you know, a critique on the entertainment industry in something. Again, very, you know, David Lynchian. And uh, that was apparently so well-received that they got a second season that they crown-fudded, and then it's like, oh, no, wait, actually, we're taking this to television. And, in fact, it probably would have been to television now, were it not for COVID and all the productions getting messed up. Oh, that's what, well. I mean, I have no problem with anything about puppets because I'm, I'm all in on the Muppets. Like the, the announcement that the Muppets are finally go- the oh, Muppets show man. is finally going to Disney Plus was like one of the best announcements Agreed. of uh, this year so far. But it, um, including the two seasons that never made it to home video. So that's pretty yes, cool. yes. And apparently they're going to remaster some of them too. But I still predict. I still predict. Just like uh, I don't know if you know whose line is it anyway is yes. on. HBO Max, but there are certain episodes that are missing, and there are the episodes with the famous people. Uh, like the Robin Williams episodes are not there. Um, I have a feeling that there are still going to be certain episodes of the Muppet Show that have not been cleared with the rights, and they're just going to be, they just won't be on Disney Plus. Yeah, because again, that was always the biggest hurdle for that show. It's like they had a bunch of like really big live musical guests on that yeah, thing. Yeah, John sang Crocodile Rock on the Muppet Show, which is amazing. When it, when it was a brand new single. Yeah. Again, so it's like they couldn't possibly have cleared the music rights for all of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I and and just imagine all the rights, like just the the the, the appearance rights, because yeah, they oh, have yeah. so many guests. Alice I mean, the Cooper Muppet show. Yeah, Alice Cooper, uh, uh, Elton, like everybody that's famous in the seventies mm. was on the Muppet Show, which I'm sure does kids' heads in. Now it's like, yeah, there was a big popular primetime show with puppets where celebrities, big celebrities, would stop by. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Uh, um, yeah, it's it's there's nothing quite like it. It's it's so funny because I, I'm a big, huge fan of the Muppets. Mm-hmm. Like Kermit the Frog is the Muppet. The original Muppet movie is one of my favorite things of all time. It's I think really it's really solid. It's such a solid movie, man. And um, all the songs are bangers. Rainbow yeah. Connection, moving right along. They've never been able to beat it. They've never no. been able to beat that original movie. Um, you can just see all the energy. I mean, just the fact of seeing Kermit on the bike is amazing. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, no Muppet song has ever beat Rainbow Connection. It's and, it's amazing. It's it's too good. I mean, it's a thing where like, I I it's always that constant discussion, right? Where um. Because I don't like the new, I think it's called Muppets Now. I don't like it. I watched a couple of those, and I'm like, all right, this is, yeah, Yeah. this feels like a new Muppet thing. Yeah, I don't think the idea of it is bad. No. Like, I don't think the the motif of it is bad, because I understand you want to modernize the Muppets. But, like, there's something about the jokes. I think they're making it too kiddie. And the thing Mm. about it is, is if you go back and watch... The Muppet Show and the first Muppet movie, they're making Hare Krishna jokes. Oh, yeah, they, they had some edge to them. Sesame yeah. Street was the stuff for kids. Muppets was yes. supposed to be for everybody. But see, I think Disney sees Muppets as it's all kidsy. And I, and I think, like, man, if the perfect Muppet reboot is just to remake The Muppet Show. You put yeah. modern stars on there. You do Silent Lives edge skits. Yeah, pretty much. And, and you and it, it, I think it would blow up. I think people would love it just as much as they did. Like make it as um, controversial as the show you were just describing to me. Oh yeah, yeah. Make it uh, like don't hug me. Man, I'm sure mm-hmm. those people would love to get involved with that just so they could do a take on what they were actually, you know, kind of parroting. Uh, yeah, yeah, man, Muppets. Muppets is great. Uh, you, you and our mutual friend Sal, of course, love Muppets too. He told me a really mm-hmm. sad story of when him and Tiff went to Disneyland for their honeymoon and they were like slowly but surely phasing out all the Muppet stuff to make room for Star Wars like apparently oh yeah cause didn't they have like a Muppets 3D ride or something like that yes that is like just on the border of like Batu and the new Star Wars land and it's like oh that's gonna be a sad day when the stormtroopers come on in to evict the Muppets out of the theater get out <laughs> you know it's so funny I can remember I think it was like 2019 or 2018 um, that is when they had, um, and I know it was in New York for a long time. And it kind of traveled the country a little bit. They had this, the Muppets museum piece, mm. and, they, and they brought it to a museum where they had a bunch of the actual puppets nice. um, in the museum. And when we went into the LA museum, the display, the first thing you saw was they had the Kermit puppet that was used in the Muppet movie. Oh, and he's wow. just sitting there, and he's got his thing. And then, dude, I've also seen the Rosetta Stone in person. That's in <laughs> London. Um I had the same feeling seeing that Kermit as mm-hmm. seeing the Rosetta Stone, where you're just like, oh, I felt like history was like <laughs> right in like, front of me, like hitting me right then. <laughs> and the cane from Citizen Kane. <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's so freaking cool, man. I-, I miss traveling and getting to see cool shit like that. Right. This is the first year without like a big convention and everything, and I didn't know what to do with myself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. Like it's. It's one of these things that I keep saying that when uh, and luckily in your country you've been able to open up more than we have. But yeah, here in America, Ontario's back in lockdown actually and will be for another month. Yeah, but at least you guys got to open up more than what we have. Like it was like nice we, for a minute until people got complacent with it and wrecked it for everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of these things where once we finally get to open up and be safe and stuff like that, mm. I, I've been saying to Ashley, my lovely wife, that um, 
you know, we have to be careful because I have a feeling we'll be out every single night and spending oh, yeah. so much money. And we're like, Agreed. we'll go the all the money we've saved from lockdown will blow it in, in like a month. <laughs> oh, I, I I feel that I, I'm already there. Just where it's like, okay, what are some new interests I need to get into now? Uh, ooh, Gundam models. I'm gonna start doing those. Hey, Pokemon <laughs> cards are back. Those are a big uh, investment. Are Pokemon effort. cards back? They are actually. Uh, are they what? digital or are they actually cards again? They're actually cards again, but you oh. get a code for the app. So you buy a pack in real life, you get it in an app to mm, interesting interesting because I, I figured like the kids yeah would uh uh you know be so much about the digital because i know like star wars does the digital yeah, they have yeah. a, like, a trading card digital app or something like that i'm so old <laughs> yeah, but we all are man yeah they're, they're back in a big way because apparently a bunch sold for like a ridiculous amount of money at auction and that just like kicked a massive like shot of adrenaline into mm -hmm. it so now like actual like wall street people and speculator people are mm -hmm. buying it up again which as a comic fan i'm like uh-oh speculator markets uh-oh uh-oh interesting interesting yeah man i'm let, let me ask you this uh let's talk about this this would be a great conversation i would love to hear sure. your um because you know you have to stay so current on comic books especially yes. for your channel and everything like that and way more so than than i i have to anymore um do you think we're heading towards another uh, spectator bubble like that, like was in the 90s? Because and the reason why I asked this question, I propose this question to you is mm -hmm. because it seems like every image comic that is coming out now mm. has 10 covers. Yeah, there, we are getting a lot of that now. And also comics that you wouldn't think would sell big are selling big now. Like yeah. like the first issue of Punchline surprisingly did very well mm -hmm. her first appearance even though she's only in it for a minute but people were selling that for like five hundred dollars because it was a first appearance and uh mm -hmm. same with uh what am i call it uh oh virus from the new venom book that also sold like <laughs> turned out to be matt gargan wasn't a new character at all <laughs> you got snowed everybody <laughs> yeah i mean yeah it feels like and even yeah marvel and dc in the image like it feels like we are leaning a little like I feel like these titles are selling well because they're tied to a speculator thing. Mm, yeah. And every time that happens, that's bad news. Bad for shit. The comic book mark. Always always has. In fact, uh, it's funny you should mention that cuz before we started I was, you know, browsing YouTube as I am wont to do, and mm. I saw a channel there that's like, "Oh, you know, the five best, you know, uh investment comics for the month of whatever." And I'm like, "Is this seriously a thing now? Is this It is. Are we it doing is a thing. This? I've seen the, I've seen a couple of those pop up again, and I want to be like, "Man, uh, don't do this. Don't yeah, please stop. I mean, we're just leading down to the thing where the 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 best story is is um my work my wife worked in a comic book shop for like five years. It's mm -hmm. back before I met her, and oh the story that she yeah uh, we have a nice we have an interesting origin story that uh, you can hear on our Patreon if you want to come hey. over. But <laughs> uh, but she always tells a story that like once a year, not multiple times a year, she would always have somebody walk in with Superman 75, the issue mm, where he died, the classic, mm. you know, cape across the thing. And they'd be like, how much is this worth? $500? She'd be like, <laughs> 75 cents. Because <laughs> they sold too many. It's worthless. Yeah, well, it's the same thing with every single comic, man. Like, everybody mm. that, like, cares about the speculator thing, they're all bagging and boarding. There's, like, 5,000... There's, there's 50,000 copies of the Department of Truth. It's never going to be worth anything. Of course. The, the last comic, to my knowledge, that was actually worth, like, any money was also mm. an image book, and it was Walking Dead number one. Number one, yep. Because it was a weird black and white indie book that they barely made a thousand of. Well, that one makes sense, right? And also, like, that blew up into a huge television show. Mm -hmm. But, like, you know, like, uh, 
trying to think of a, an interesting one. Like, look, what what is the new Rick Remenda comic out there? A scumbag or something like yeah, that? Yeah, that right? yeah, that's yeah. the one. Okay. Two years from now, scumbag number one is going to be worth maybe cover price. If they That's make it. a TV show out of it, though, again, the all these streaming services want new comic book stuff, and the boys have shown that you can make a successful show out of weird superhero-adjacent stuff. That's true, but I don't think the boys, number one, is that it's worth that much of an issue. Here, I'm, I'll literally do the Google right Please now do. as we're on the air. Yeah, yeah uh, I think you're right, I actually. I don't think the TV show... The TV shows and movies don't pop it as much as we think they do. No, they really they don't. They only do that for Silver Age stuff. True, 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 true. Or again, uh, weird, obscure stuff that there's less of in general. Okay, so according to the site, Comic Book Realm, right? The current value of the Boys Number One mm-hmm. is eighty dollars. Yeah. Now I'm also going to go to Comics Collect. Um, okay, if you get the Boys Number One graded at a nine point mm. eight, it is worth three hundred and twenty-five dollars. Yeah. So no, okay. But not putting your way out, through college, but yeah. Yeah, that book came out in 2006. Yeah, oh, true enough. So, I mean, yeah, it could get to over several hundred, but it sounds like it's going to take a decade. Yeah, true enough. <laughs> That's why you got a bag and board now and wait for yeah. it. Yeah. Speaking of speculators, actually, uh, there was a great documentary. It was a Canadian documentary. I don't think it's on Netflix anymore, but I'm sure you can find it. It's called You Don't Know Jack. Have you heard of this one? No. It's uh, It was about, uh, what is it, uh, Jack Specific. And uh, mm-hmm. all those companies that made baseball cards. Okay. And it was a guy. He's, he's a Canadian character actor. He was on, like, the Magic School Bus. He's on, like, a bunch of stuff. Basically, he went home, found all his baseball cards, and it's like, ah, now is my time to cash in. And he goes to all the card shows and all the other conventions, only to be like, no, these aren't worth anything. And eventually, he follows it up the chain of command to, like, some of the old executives at these trading card companies. Mm-hmm. And they're like, nah, man, you're Barry Bonds. We had, like, sheets and sheets of them, man. We were we were totally the, – the industry was corrupt from the bottom up. We were just printing whatever. Oh, boy. Oh, I got to look this thing up. I have not heard of this. Oh, you would really appreciate it. And here's the darkest twist of it all. So all all those executives of the trading card companies, guess where they went where the speculator bubble burst in the trading card market? Uh, I don't know. Comic books. Of course they did. Mm-hmm. So the same people who tanked one industry just hopped that right is, over to oh, tank that's another. Right, because in the '90s, Marvel bought like Tops or something yes. like that. Yes. Yep. Yeah, because there was that was the reason why Marvel went bankrupt because they owned an action figure company, a trading uh-huh, card company, uh-huh. and something else, and they were spread too thin. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah, there you go. And that was the era of pushing the cards on everyone. Hey, it comes with a holographic card, you know, sure to yep. increase in value. <laughs> Yeah, it's also the thing, too, where, like, yeah, every Wizard magazine had a weird hologram card and all that stuff like that. We don't see that anymore. Of all the things that have come back and, you know, everything old is new again, Heroes Reborn, Clone Saga, they have not brought back the tradable cards, thank God. Yeah, I think because, like, they have just, man, the trading cards have just gone to nothing. They just don't really exist anymore. And, yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, except for, like, Pokemon cards, yeah. All the big ones come from Japan. No one can do it in North America anymore. They used to make trading cards of everything, sure man. They did. were, like, Star Trek Voyager yep. cards. For like, it was yep. ridiculous. Crazy to think, you know. That's how you knew you made it, when you got a lunchbox and you got a trading card. Yeah, if you got a trading card set, like, that's when you knew you were really something. Like, it was something that was... 
you you'd made like they thought you had enough because everything mm. man it was the thing like back in the day you would get action figures and you would always get trading cards yep yep oh yeah some of my fondest memories tied to both of those heck even fly by night franchises like the max got a trading card oh, set oh yes i had the mcfarlane max figure Ooh, nice yeah i had i was a <laughs> it's a really good looking figure I, I know I've seen it. It's beautiful. I, I had so many of the original Spawn figures, but again, I was a young kid getting these and didn't know that, oh, yeah, these were meant to be looked at, not played with. McFarlane mm -hmm. figures, kind of flimsy. Didn't hold up to much playing. They were fun to look at. Oh, really? Yeah, because they're just meant to be, like, posed. Like, yeah. like pop, pose it, and yeah, yeah. I, Interesting. I, I told that story to sound like, man, all these great figures I don't have anymore. He's like, hey, come to the New Jersey Toy Con one day, and you'll be able to buy them all back for a nickel. I'm like, cool. <laughs> yeah, they're all cheap, man. They're all super cheap. I mean, they were great figures, though. I mean, McFarlane figures, man, that's why when the when uh, Todd McFarlane did his Kickstarter for Spawn, mm -hmm. I backed it immediately because I have so many fond memories. One of my favorite action figures of all time was the Curse of Spawn. Yeah. Now, I, had, I hadn't read Curse of Spawn, but... Man, at the time, Toy Biz was making these really goofy-looking X-Men figures. Yeah, they were. DC had total justice. Mm. And, and then all the rest of the action figures were either tied into movies or the animated things. So they were all, like, cartoony silly. Yeah. And then you look at Curse of Spawn, and you were like, holy Just popped cow. out on the shelf, yeah. Look at the detail of that thing. Nothing yeah. looked like it. Yeah, no, no other action figures looked like McFarlane action figures. Yeah, big, big agree. Uh, so obviously, of course, you know, you're back on the show this week because you have yet another wildly successful Kickstarter project. <laughs> tell us, uh, tell us about Super Best Friends and why people should be, uh, super excited for, actually, Super Best Friends. Super, super Best, best Friend. Super yes. Best Friends. Don't want to get legal quandaries. Yes, uh, Super Best Friends was a YouTube channel I quite enjoyed until they fell yeah. apart. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, so Super Best Friend is the story of young Maddie Moore, who is the best friend and videographer of... The world's greatest superhero, Captain Terrific. Uh, oh. Matty Moore live streams all the adventures of Captain Terrific in his Super Pals on his uh, streaming channel called Super Best Friend, hence the title. Uh, and the go. book is kicked off into dangerous territory when Matty accidentally leaves his phone on at the wrong moment <laughs> and Captain Terrific's secret identity is revealed to the world. Oops. And suddenly... Matty Moore has to put the genie back in the bottle because he has basically ruined his best friend's life. Right. And this is a difficult task for Matty because, you know, he's a big super fan like we all mm. are. And suddenly he has to do some things that he doesn't want to do and, and step out of his comfort zone because it's the journey of a superhero sidekick to full-on superhero. It's a lot of fun. Oh. It's, it's, it's my perfect melding of... The Silver Age of Comic Books, which is a period of comic books that I, I really have a lot of fondness for, mm -hmm. mixed with sort of online superhero fandom. Mm, I like it. Again, it's a very modern updating on the oh-so-classic Jimmy Olsen-Superman relationship. Yes. It takes a lot of it takes a lot of inspiration from that. And and a lot of people have asked me in, in certain things where they were like, oh, why didn't you pitch this to DC? Why didn't you do this? And, and to be honest with you, I, I did. <laughs> I did. How'd that go? Uh, no interest. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's a shame. I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and so does so do the people on Kickstarter. Because uh, luckily, uh, if you go to if this sounds in, it's a forty eight page comic book. Uh, so it's an oversized issue. Links you can get it at superbestfriendcomic.com or you know my Twitter profile at Jawman. 
And uh, it's already funded, so that means that the book is definitely going to happen. And uh, right now we're building towards our second stretch goal, which as uh, you know, with a lot of super best friend, uh, a lot of inspiration from things I love about comic mm -hmm. book. Uh, I will say that the next stretch goal will be the reveal of uh, a something metallic, um, something that might have been very popular in the spectator market. Because hey. <laughs> this is my Kickstarter that? about superheroes, and you know what? I'm going a whole hog, man. You know, you're right. That's how we bring it back with Kickstarters and you know fundraising things. Look, you kickstart this, and you will get a trading card. I promise. That's right. Uh, actually, I will say this. So uh, it's so funny. We were talking about trading cards. So. Uh, a holographic trading card is one of the stretch goals, but oh, hot it is one of the higher stretch goals because right. one of my favorite trading card series of all time is the 1996 Skybox Superman hologram cards. Yeah. And I was only able to ever get one pack of them because my mom thought they were too expensive. Naturally. S still have them. Uh, so I looked into making a Captain Terrific hologram trading card. It is doable. It's very expensive. That's what they don't uh, tell you about the trading yes, card. Exactly, market. exactly. So it, it is one of the stretch goals, but it's, I think it's stretch goal. I haven't revealed those stretch goals right now, right, but I will give you a uh, sort of exclusive if that's <gasps> a thing. Um, stretch goal number five is the hologram trading card. That's because we've so gotta freaking get, sick. We've got to get that high to get it. I really hope you get that now because that sounds legitimately super dope. I love everything. I hope so about as well. That. I hope so as well. That's uh, right up there with Donny Cates and Stegman for uh, what is it, King in Black? You get the temporary Venom tattoo. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a that was a really good thing. I remember because uh, uh, I was this. I'm a Star Trek nerd. Uh, when I, you got the Star Trek Voyager trading cards, they gave you the Jacotay tattoo. Oh, that's so cool! I yeah, didn't which know I thought that. was so weird yet cool. Those, those also kind of gone away, haven't they? The temporary tattoo. That was a boom industry in our Dude, youth. You would get them in the gumball machines. I'm so old that I remember uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle animated trading cards. Mm -hmm. They had sticks of gum in them. Oh, man, yeah. Friggin' old-timey gum in packs. Mm -hmm. That's another thing. It's always bad. It's always bad. It was never. It was always brittle, always fell apart in your mouth, was always, you know, tasted like drywall. I think they tried to bring that back for baseball cards not too long ago. Like, oh, we got gum back in them again. And also, it's terrible gum, because of course it mm -hmm. is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, but that makes sense, right? You know, it's like, of course the gum they would throw in the trading, it's just a leftover. They don't care. Yeah. It's sugar and starch. You'll enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, you know, just like whatever to, to like make it, you know, make it pop a little bit more. Yeah, seem, uh, seem a bit more appealing there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so super best friend. And why, you know, why tell a story, you know, from the uh, POV of a, of a sidekick basically there? You know, why why the sidekick? Why, uh, why do you love it and why do you think it is, you know, so pervasive in the world of comics that we keep coming back to sidekicks and best friends? Well, you know, to be quite honest, because, you know... When you're writing a story, you should always think about, like, what is the take that you can put on it? And 90% of the time, the take is you. You as the writer, your perspective is always going to make it different. And um, this is a lot of – very much inspired by my time at DC All Access, my time doing uh, comic book YouTube stuff and looking at that aspect of superhero fandom because – you know, yeah, sure, I could have written a story about Captain Terrific, you know, fighting his main villain who is named Citizen Tyranny. Love but it. why why do that when, you know, you're never going to beat Marvel and DC. Like, Marvel and DC, month, month in, month out, are publishing the best superhero comics around. Mm -hmm. You can't beat them. I'm sorry, you can't. The big Some two people for a reason. Can. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, every once in a while there's a great story, like Jeff Lemire comes out with Black Hammer and he, and he proves it, or Steve Orlando with Commanders in Crisis, but like 90 times, 90% of the time you're not going to beat the big guys. So the way to make that interesting is to tilt the perspective. And by letting it be the sidekick character of Matty Moore and he, through his viewpoint of Captain Terrific, it makes the story unique and it makes it more than just the Superman copy story. Right, absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely what uh, what other inspirations did you bring to this one too? You know, again, I I, I love the naming conventions there. You know, uh, Captain Terrific, Citizen, uh, Tyranny. There, how how did you come to those? Uh, well, a lot of it, uh, Captain Terrific is 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 one hundred percent inspired by uh, the Silver Age, and I kind of love that um, he has Captain in the title because I always thought that was a weird trope. In comic yeah. books, like why would you call somebody Commander X and and, and Captain whatever? And so, actually, fun fact: um, Captain Terrific is a character from uh, one act I wrote in college. Oh, uh, that was like sort of making fun of superheroes, and also <laughs> it was also about a sidekick. Um, I think he was called Superheroics One Hundred One, mm. is what I called it. Um, and so I've always had him in my back pocket. And when I created Maddie Moore for this project, that's when I came up with the idea. Of like, oh no, it needs to be Captain Terrific. That I need to bring this guy out of retirement, and there Naturally. he is. Um, so once I had Captain Terrific, uh, his main villain, his Lex Luthor, if you will, mm -hmm. automatically had to have a similar naming convention because he's right. also CT. Oh, there we go. But he shouldn't have a rank. So instead of Captain, he's Citizen. Mm, only Citizen. Never, never yeah. raised further than that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, um, so, like, a lot of it was, and if you look back through the Silver Age of comic books, there's a lot of stuff that's exactly like that, that sort of have the, they have these fun naming conventions, and, and we don't do that. Most, in the big two, they don't do that anymore because no, they think true. it's they really silly. Don't. They think it's silly and goofy, like they're trying to be realistic. But to be honest with you, man, I fell in love with Superman and Batman and all those people because of the goofy stuff. Big agree. It sticks out. Like, again, it's hard mm -hmm. to remember a lot of new characters now. It's like, oh, yeah, what was their name again? It was something, something, other. I, I quite yes. like what Kyle Higgins is doing right now with Radiant Black over at Image because I'm like, boom, yeah, Radiant Black. That's a name I hear at once, and I'm never going to forget it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, instead of, like, um, oh, I don't have any good examples. Yeah, but they have become, like, the names have become like so real like well and i like this character um so so i mean no offense to the writers a lot because i do like this character but there's not a superhero name for naomi no it's just it's just naomi yeah you know like to, i'm like come on you could have we could have we could have come up with something yeah that that is an interesting one there that's like yeah your first name and i like that and i like that book <laughs> yeah, and, and Naomi getting a big push right now across yep. the board. Uh, what has it got? A new TV show coming down the pipeline from CW. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I actually, uh, am, that's a, I think she's a great character to adapt. David F. Walker, man, too. You know, but I, I also, but I also bet you, I bet you a million bucks in that show, they are going to have an episode that like explicitly states why she's called Naomi and why oh, yeah. she doesn't have a code name. Oh, no doubt. That's very, very CW. And also, too, I can maybe understand why Bendis and Walker did. They were saying, no, no, call her Naomi now so in a couple of years we can build up to her having a super name. That's what well, we and did. It, <laughs> and if that's where they're going, then 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 I uh, I retract my statement and <laughs> great job, fellas. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There are, well, again, I mentioned Virus before, too, and Virus was almost like a joke where it's like, okay, we need to 
invent a new Venom-adjacent character, and we've already used up, you know, Riot and Phage and Toxin and everything else. What's left? A uh, virus, I guess? That's lame. Yeah, but it's Gargan in the suit, so he's also lame, so it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is one of those things. Like, I, I do, look, look, I realize that all the good names are taken. For real. I, un- I totally understand that, but I, I, it's so funny because I would advise writers to go further back to the classics because mm. it's really this thing where, and I've noticed this, and this is also a, a, a comment on, on modern online fandom, is it really seems that modern online fandom, and this is something I speak to in Super Best Friend, is always concerned with the new. Yes. And you know what, man? When you watch a movie that was made in 1940, and it's good. Wizard of Oz, man, still holds up. Oh, yeah, dude. I was watching, oh, God, what was it? Uh, North by Northwest. Yeah. Um, And that's somewhere in the 60s. Yeah. Um, That plane bit, man, where it's like, how did they do that back then? Movie feels like it was made yesterday. That's how good it was. Um, But, like, because it's 1960s and because it doesn't have CGI, like, nobody will care about it. And so this is a very long roundabout to get to the point where I'm like, I think in terms of naming conventions, in terms of creating characters, I, I, I would urge new prospective comic book writers and new writers of anything to go back even further, like yeah. go to the Greek classics, go oh, to yeah. Grimm's fairy tales, go to Latin, go find the old stuff. And I guarantee you're going to find a name in there or a naming convention or an idea in there that, you know, yeah, people have probably used it before, but it's probably been like 50 years. True enough. Uh, good example of that, the new Wonder Woman in Future State. Yara Floor. Yara is like Brazilian for water woman, and floor means flower. Ah, that's cool. You put it together. Yara Floor. Yeah, that's that's really good. I mean, that's really great. Um that's a great example. I, I didn't know that. That's awesome. That makes me like the character even more. Again, see, I, I try and do research sometimes for my videos. <laughs> I, I like things where I have to Google that. Where I'm like, okay, well, surely that means something. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Ah, oh, okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is really good. That's really good. What do you like? Do you like Future State overall? You know, it's funny. Uh, I, I do. <laughs> What's interesting about Future State, and I was trying to get this in a video, is that some stuff they clearly knew people were going to like before they even started, where it's like, you know, new Batman, we're going to keep doing that even after Future State, we already got John Ridley for 12 issues, it's going to keep going. Yara Floor, she's getting a TV show, we already know people are going to like her from the start, so we're already invested in that. But it's the little stuff, it's almost the backups I like more. Did, uh, Did you read the Arkham Knights? That was really good. Uh, no, I didn't. I, I haven't been able to read much of Future Night. I've only been able to read, like, Next Batman, Nightwing, mm. and the Superman ones. <laughs> I just finished Nightwing before we started, actually. Uh, I liked it. I, I, I think, I mean, man, put Nicholas Scott on anything and mm. everything. Just beautiful. Yeah. Just eye-poppingly yeah. beautiful. Arkham Knights was such a cool, fresh premise where I'm like, oh, God, you got to do this now. It's a team book about, like, all the mm. more morally gray Batman villains like Two-Face and Clayface and Anarchy, like the ones who always kind of had, like, one foot into being good guys anyway. Mm-hmm. And they're oh, interesting. And they're led by, uh, what is it, uh, Amadeus Arkham's secret daughter, the Arkham Knight, who had a run mm-hmm. but who isn't yes. the one from the games. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like the I got man that Peter Tomasi detective comics run with uh, Brad Walker mm-hmm. is so underrated. Absolutely, one hundred percent agree. So she's leading a team of like freaks and killers to fight the magistrate in this dark future. But unlike Batman, she's actually helping them and being their psychiatrist while fighting crime with them. And I'm like, that is so cool. 
and such a great gimmick for an anti-Batman who one of the, you know, harshest criticisms of him is always that he's fine beating up the mentally ill and throwing them into broken Arkham. Here's a lady fighting crime and actually trying to help them with their mental problems. And I'm like, whoa, that is good. Yeah, that is really good. That sounds really great. Uh, I'm, you know, speaking of Arkham Knights uh, or something very similar to that, I'm very excited for that new video game, Gotham Knights. Oh, yeah, same. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to co-op that. What system are you getting that for? Because we know we need four people. Oh, do you, you can't play it unless you have four people? I mean, I'm sure you can, but they would all be, like, computer controlled. I think if you want to get the most of it, as is often the case in these games, mm -hmm. you got to play it with four other human beings. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a PS4 guy, but I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I've been a PlayStation guy since... PlayStation 2. You and me both, man. Haven't gotten a 5 yet because no one can get a 5 because every scalper yeah. bought up every single one. <laughs> well, I, it's so funny. I consider getting a 5, but I, there was two things against it. One was at the time, the only game for it was Miles Morales. Yeah. Um, and I looked up that uh, PlayStation is doing this really cool thing where you could buy uh, the PS4 version of Miles Morales digitally and they would later. automatically just give you the PS5 version, which I was like, oh, great. Yeah, they're doing uh, so that with a couple ones. Control, yeah. I think Cyberpunk, and a few other ones you could actually I the, upgrade. I think the Avengers game is that too, but I I heard the Avengers game is not great, so I haven't even played it. I, uh, but the, I played it. The story mode is fine, but once you're done that, there's literally nothing left to do. <laughs> you're done with it. All right, interesting. But the other thing I heard about the PlayStation 5 was they kind of said, there, like, unless you have a 4K TV, there's no point, and I don't have a 4K TV. So, so. Okay, you and me both. Oh, my God. We are spiritual twins yeah. on this. I have had the same TV basically since I moved into this place and have had no reason to replace it. But yeah, I'm not going to buy a new expensive console if I can't get the most out of it. Yes, it's one of those things where, like, my TV works just fine, and I'm mm -hmm. kind of the idea of, like, unless I move somewhere and Same. decide to upgrade or it breaks, then I'm just not going to, what's the point? Same. And also, too, the PlayStation 5 came out at Christmas when I had already pre-ordered and bought a bunch of stuff for the PlayStation 4 anyway, so what's the point of getting a new console if I'm going to be playing my games on the old console? It came out at a bad time. I'm just going to imagine all the comments furiously going up right now where oh, people are just like, oh, you guys don't know how to live. Yeah. No, I don't. I admit it. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, I mean, why why get rid of something that works? Yeah. <laughs> and again, too, and like the PlayStation is the center of my media room and everything. I got Netflix and Amazon and Disney Plus. I run everything off it. It's my everything system. Yeah. Yeah, same with mine. Like that's and that's what I like about it that it's like the one stop uh, everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's my one stop everything. Uh, so when you're not writing super cool comics like this one, what uh, what else are you doing? You've been binge watching anything recently? Seeing any movies? Um, I'm trying to think about what we watched, what we've been watching recently. Um, I we've been just kind of filling the holes. I mean, I really enjoyed his Dark Materials. Mm. Um, that that's a really stellar show that a lot of people don't give uh, a lot of attention to. Didn't check that. Uh, flew under the radar. There's so much TV right now on so many different apps. It's easy to miss stuff. There is so much, man. It is. There's almost too much. There's almost too much. Um, we actually started Lupin, that French series on Netflix. It's oh, really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, based on Arsène Lupin, the uh, famous mm -hmm. thief. They not the anime version. I know that also came out, but that's a different thing. See, and that just goes to show me as the ignorant um, American, I had no idea about that series. I was like, oh, that's a thing. Cool. Yeah, I, I like when there's like fun uh, international stuff there on Netflix that can surprise you. Yes, I, I love. I actually. I expect we're probably going to see a lot more of that in the next two years because mm. that's I that is how I think all the production companies and all the streaming services are going to fill up the gaps. Yeah, um, because American stuff can't shoot right now. Everything Absolutely. in Los Angeles right now we shut. We were shooting 
and then we shut down before Christmas, and we're going to be shut down until, I think, mid-February now. Totally. I, I, I'm a big fan of Law & Order SVU. I'm shocked that show was able to come back and film in New York and keep up with the schedule and actually mm-hmm. have new episodes every week. Yeah, and then they're uh, bringing back uh, Christopher Maloney. They I actually, are. I haven't watched uh, Law & Order in... 15 years but i'll tell you what i'm gonna watch the first couple episodes of the christopher maloney show his spinoff because i like christopher maloney so much agreed uh law and order svu it's the last law and order show standing they canceled all the other ones it's only svu Have they? yes oh wow yeah this is like one of the only times in history it's only been svu svu outlived original law and order that is crazy man i remember when that show premiered same and and i can remember my parents being like that'll never last <laughs> who wants to watch the sex crimes the sex crime show apparently everyone wanted apparently to watch the sex more crime people show. want to watch sex crimes than any other crime again it's riveting television and the fact that like ice t and marishka hargitay have been on the show for so long like the longest tenured detectives in the stories they've well, been able to tell yeah. with them over the years well i mean th- think about it though because and i can tell you exactly the reason why is that one in Hollywood, the thing that is the hardest thing ever is a steady paycheck. Oh, yeah. And and working on a broadcast network show means you're doing about 22 episodes a year. Yeah, yeah. Which is an amazing weekly yep. paycheck. Second, uh, because you're a broadcast show, usually your shows go into syndication. Yes. Or usually your episodes get repeats. They sure so, do. So that means that all the actors and the writers and the directors get payments every time it's repeated mm-hmm. or every time it's shown in syndication so when you have a show um and i have a story about arrow after this when you have a show uh about like law and order yeah which is very rare like usually streaming shows is 13 episodes you're done you're yep, lucky yep. if you get a third season um you Most don't get don't. any you don't get any royalties really for anything on streaming um so like those actors are like man why am i gonna give up this easy paycheck and the royalties are amazing it, it gets uh, even so better because uh Hargitay is a producer on the show now yeah, and I know she's like she moved her up weight, so she gets even more, man. Yeah. So, uh, uh, I, I remember I, I once talked to one of the writers of Arrow, mm-hmm. and this was in like the second to last season. I think I talked to him in like season seven, and I asked him. I was like, oh, like, you know, like, because he had been on the show for a long time, and I was like, why are you, um, like, why did you stick around with Arrow? Like, no other jobs, and or what are you gonna do? Ne-? I'm sorry. My question was, what are you gonna do next after Arrow? Was the thing I asked him. And he was like, I don't know, I might retire. Because he's like, because <laughs> he's Holy like, shit. Arrow, he's like, he's like, Arrow went to TNT and it got syndicated. And he's like, man, I'm making like a hundred grand a year off of those syndication wow, paychecks. That's amazing. Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> that, well, I guess that's why Stephen Amell didn't rush in to do anything else after Arrow. He he, he didn't need to. No. TNT is just running arrow like all the damn time, he, man. He did fun things he wanted. He wrestled at all out. He had a freaking wrestling match against Christopher Daniels and got put through tables. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I still wonder if we'll I know they're shooting that show, but I still wonder if we'll see heels. I, I have a weird I have a weird feeling that, that that show will never complete. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't either. know why, but I just I have a, I have that feeling. Yeah, I guess we'll find out about that. Man, <laughs> wow, the, the Arrow show, that's successful. That's that's amazing. Good, good for well, them. Again, and, and all because they sh- Arrow, like Flash, shot about 22 episodes a year. Yep. It is a broadcast network, but sure also is. it's the syndication thing. That's the weird – that is the income model that streaming is getting rid of. The writers and directors of WandaVision 
they ain't gonna get jack. No, they'll it's only true. they'll only get those royalty paychecks if they put that on Blu-ray or DVD, which I think they will. Yeah, which that's a weird thing too. Sometimes you feel weird trying to track down the Blu-ray DVD of shows you like, like Doom Patrol. I'm like, hey, I really like this show. Did they do commentary? Did they do behind the scenes on the DVDs? Because I would like to watch that. Actually, then it's like, where do I go to buy DVDs anymore? I have not bought a DVD in a hundred years. Yeah, I always thought that too. Where I remember back in the day where um, Netflix had their first, like their their first batch of mm. Netflix exclusive series, and then they put them out on DVD, and I was like, "Aren't you like kind of killing the exclusivity <laughs> of why I want to buy Netflix?" Yeah, sure feels that way, man. I remember I was like so militant back in the day where it's like, no, I will continue to buy physical media because that's the only way that I own something. And now I'm three streaming services deep. And I'm like, this is fine. This is fine. Sometimes Netflix loses shows, but then, you know, Amazon gets them. So it's fine. I I only buy uh, like Blu-rays now of things that like I am a huge fan of or things that I'm like, if I never want a chance them removing this permanently from mm. any service so those are the things that i buy blu-rays of um like uh i bought the blu-ray set of batman beyond ah so good because they've like taken that and added that and taken it and added it so many times sure where i was like i was like to hell with you guys i'm gonna make sure that i can always watch batman beyond if when and ever i i want to because i love that one totally even disney plus is weirdly incomplete and stuff too yeah. where it's like hey what what about fillmore i would love a dvd quality version of fillmore or buzz lightyear of star command that was a shockingly good show <laughs> for its time can i have some of that and disney's like maybe it's in our archive so we'll have to send an intern to go get it <laughs> that's so funny man oh god buzz lightyear of star you about the patrick warburton show yes what do you think about the weird Chris Evans I'm, Buzz Lightyear origin stuff? I'm glad you mentioned that because when I saw that there and I'm just like, hey, you did this once. It was called Buzz Lightyear of Star Command where it's like, here's the story of the real guy that the toy is based on. Well, maybe they'll uh, lift a lot of the stuff. Man, I hope they bring back the uh, lady who could phase through stuff who was voiced by, uh, what is it, Mo Collins from Mad TV. <laughs> Oh, weird. Seriously? Yes. I remember really enjoying that character because I was a big Mad TV fan, so I loved the character. I remember Mo Collins. I just had no idea that they were on that show. No, man. sorry, wow. not Mo Collins, the other lady, the one who was always in sketches with her. Oh, I couldn't tell you that was. I don't oh, know. God, this is going to bother I know me. Key and Peele were on Mad TV. Yes, yes, they were. The, man, there was a time there at the end when they had like lost almost all the originals and like all the other, uh, what is it, like lifers for Mad TV, and... The last few seasons of Mad TV was basically just proto Key and Peel because they were in yes. every sketch. Yes, yeah, yeah, they were in every. I mean, when they first popped off in that show, I mean, my first my first statement about them was, I was like, oh, hey, it's the guys from from Mad TV. Yeah, but Mad TV always carried like this, you know, weird stigma with it, where it's like, oh, you know, it's not Saturday Night Live, it's not been around for fifty years, you know, it's not the thinking man's show, and I'm like, yeah, but I still like it, and it's on at eleven, so I can watch like half an hour of it, then switch over to Saturday Night Live, and then if Saturday Night Live is bombing, I could switch back. Yeah. Yeah, totally, man. Totally. Yeah. Yes, kids, back when we switched over, when we watched things live on television and not the next day. <laughs> or you had to go, yeah, you had to go to Channel 3. Yeah, destination viewing. We don't do that anymore. No, and it's so funny because um, that is part of, you talk about the modern online fandom. Mm -hmm. um, I make fun 
uh, in in a light and jovial way. I'm Naturally. not look. If you want to do this, you want to do this. Whatever. You know, do what hate makes you happy, man. Within reason. Nicole uh, Sullivan was the actress. There we go. I figured that out. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, so I I I punch holes a little bit at people that like binge an entire series that like that stay up till midnight and mm. then watch the entire episode because to me I'm like that couldn't have been the, fun for you. No. And in the world of streaming television. We don't have to live our lives by a television show anymore. Exactly. Whereas before, I when I was in college, man, I would be like, I would be like, Wednesday nights at eight p.m. I'm watching Lost. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I'll come hang out you with you at the both. bar after Lost, but I will be there for Lost. You and me both, man. I yep. spent a lot of my life with that, and boy, boy, it sure was worth it in the end, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you shouldn't look at your life that way. I mean, no, just like you know, no. did did you enjoy it? Like, yeah, I, I did. Mean, yeah, I, I literally enjoyed it until the last 15 minutes when I'm like, oh, my God, they're not they're, they're not going to hit the landing on this one. They're not going to hit the landing on this. Oh, see, I disagree. I'm a I'm a I, and that this is a completely different one hour long podcast. I actually think the ending of Lost is is uh, a well written episode. Mm. Admittedly, I have not thought about it for I don't remember being mad is the thing like I wasn't mad at it like other people mm-hmm. wasn't like, oh, well, that's the end, I guess. There you go. It's funny that that ending aired like the same night as like the twenty four finale. So I know there was like oh, a really yes, that was the same night as the twenty. Well, the first time twenty four ended, I know it yeah, came. Twenty four has ended like three times now. It was the first time twenty four, and so I remember that was a big thing in my house of people fighting over televisions. They'd be like, okay, I'll watch this in this room, you watch that in that room, oh, and we'll so figure funny. it out, and we'll both come together and compare notes later about it. That's so funny. Uh, you know, it's so funny because I'll bring up. Uh, um, Lost is the one that a lot of people like to, you know, poke holes at where they're like, oh, the ending doesn't answer everything. And um, it's so funny because there's a show that there's another show that I love that I think doesn't answer a damn thing, but nobody talks about it. And that is Battlestar Galactica. Mm. Um, Because if you watch if you sit through the entire finale of Battlestar Galactica and it's a well-written show and I like that finale as well. They don't answer anything. <laughs> no, yeah, I know that was the thing. But nobody, everybody talks about how Lost didn't answer anything. And I'm like, Bowser Galactic never told you. The si- nobody ever told us th- what the Cylon's plan was. <laughs> and it's literally in the opening credits. <laughs> I uh, Yeah, I had a lot of friends who were deep into Battlestar Galactic. I never took that plunge, but then, boy, were they so angry at the end. Yeah. And they're like, look, if you ever do this, just like watch till season three, then make up your own ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of people could say that about, uh, uh, you know, Lost as well. But, you know, it's always one of these things of, like, you know, if if the show in any episode made you laugh, made you cry, made you feel something, same with the comic book, same with the movie, Agreed. can you really call it a garbage fire? I don't think you can. No. Because it worked. Because, like, I will say, me as a writer, I'm always like, if I get you once, then I won. I, if I get totally you agree. Once, for one panel or even one page or even one dialogue balloon... I got you. And, I won. And Lost had a lot of that. We got to go back. It's not Penny's boat. Not all this Penny's other... boat. The constant. I still think the constant is the greatest episode of television ever made. It is really, really freaking good. It's definitely the best episode of Lost. And it's so good that you could probably show it to someone who has no knowledge of Lost. And they'd still think it was pretty good. Yeah. Yes, I agree. I've shown that episode to... Uh, several people blind that had no information, and they'd be like, "That's a good episode." Yeah, it's like the uh, what, what's the Doctor Who equivalent of it? The the one with the weeping angels, where it's like, "Look, you can just Blink. watch." Yeah, Blink. It's like here you can just watch Blink, even if you've watched nothing else, and it's still just really good science fiction. Yes, yes, totally. Uh, Blink is a great episode of that, and there's there, Doctor Who has a bunch of examples of that. Totally. 
And well, at that point, everyone, I don't think we can do much better than drudging up the memories of Lost and what it meant to We us. went in a big circle on this episode, my friend. We and did. I loved it. I love it, too. I, I love that every... kind of covered everything. Totally. See, this is why I love when you're on, Jason, because no two interview is ever alike with you. Yep. So, uh, yes, everyone, be sure to check Jason out on all the social media feeds. I will be sure to link you to Super Best Friend. Check that out. Check out the stretch goals. I want the trading cards, everyone. I want that to Gotta be a there. thing. Make yep. that happen. Pump us there, everybody. Totally. So, again, thank you so much, everyone, for coming. Jason, thank you for coming and talking Thanks with us. Thanks for having me, man. It's oh, always a pleasure. Oh, always a pleasure to talk to you, too. And we'll be back again next time. Same comic multiverse time, same comic multiverse place. So, until then, everyone, bye bye